family, business, fitness, health. Those are infinite games. I literally would be obese if it wasn't for daily freaking discipline. People tend to underestimate just how much human nature is wired to be lazy. I never actually work longer than an hour and a half straight. When it comes to fatherhood, did you somehow prepare? I bought like a bunch of courses. 25 years from now, your daughter comes to you and she says, dad, I want to build a business. What do you tell her? The following is a conversation with my very good friend and long-term entrepreneurial homie, Mario Tomic. We will be talking about how he's built a fitness empire as a coach over more than 10 years. We'll talk about his secret on how to not age. He literally still looks the same. And we'll talk about his incredible, incredible hustle philosophy and what it means to be a good father, a good partner, and a great entrepreneur. This guy is an absolute legend. I've been living with him as a friend for over a decade. I strongly recommend you listen to the entire thing. Without any further ado, Mario Tomic. Mr. Mario Tomic, good to have you here. What has been the predominant thing on your mind 10 years ago? And what is the predominant thing that's on your mind today? 10 years ago, that's probably when we first ran into each other. Exactly. I think that's that's about the same time. Yeah, I was pretty much all over the place, more like living in the moment at that time. So as, as you know, we're like traveling around, trying to gain as many experiences as possible, you could say like that. I mean, I was still thinking a lot about protein. I was still thinking <laughs> a lot about <laughs> getting jacked. Um, that was always an obsession. But I think at that time, it was more, uh, let's just live in the moment as much as possible. I wasn't really thinking two, three, four, five steps into the future. So I wasn't like, this is the you know, ripple effect of all these decisions. But now 10 years later, now I'm thinking more, okay, what's the second, third order of consequences of things that I'm doing today? Where is it gonna put me? Because 10 years ago, it was a grind, 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 grind. You know, just like work as hard as you possibly can. 12 hours, 14 hours. It doesn't even matter like what the hours is. It's just basically, are you grinding or not? There's no <laughs> like time limit of anything. Now, 10 years later though, you're kind of, okay, where do I need to grind? And what do I actually need to do? Because obviously like you can, you realize you can get good at a lot of different things. So the question is, what do you actually get good at? So where do you focus your grind on once you learn how to grind? And that's basically where it's at today. It's like, where's my time best used? Am I gonna um, you know, work 12 hours a day and miss my daughter growing up? You know, that type of stuff. So it's like a little bit of a different mindset, but you know, I, I love that um, mentality. Like you have to learn how to grind. Like, I think that's sort of essential. Damn, I, I was kind of surprised. I was not surprised by your answer, what was on your mind back then, but I was kind of surprised about what's on your mind right now because you and I know each other for almost 10 years and we haven't spoken in detail for quite a long time and i kind of expected a a mario to be in this conversation that is more like a mario that has arrived versus a mario that still thinks so much about the future and i'll tell you why that is why i mm. felt like that because 10 years ago we were both grinding we we're building we we're, we're just totally in the building phase and now all i know about you is like you got the crazy epic body you're making so much money as a coach. You have multiple businesses. You're very, very well known within your niche and your family father. You got your, your first daughter, I think, right? Yeah. 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 And, and I'm like, in my head, you're like, oh, you're accomplished, but here you're sitting and you're like, 
what are we, what am I gonna do next? Planning and this is really freaking interesting. Give give me a little bit more of a deep dive there on your thought process there. Yeah, so I'll go a bit high level and then we can go into some details just so maybe people can understand how I think about very important things in life because what you just listed there is we're talking family, business, basically finance, career, and we're talking fitness, health. So three big things in your life that you want to have. And the way I see those things is those are sort of those are infinite games, meaning that 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 game is not meant to be won. It's a game that you play. The game, the goal of that game is to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. For example, in fitness, like you can't arrive at ten percent body fat and just stay there magically. You yeah. still have to do all the things that got you there, a version of that at least, in order to keep that physique. And so you have to be in the game. You can't just get it. It's not like a degree. You get a degree, you have a degree. And people will put it on the wall and they always have a degree. You can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, whatever. But most of the important things in life, even if that doctor, let's say, stops working on his craft, eventually stops going to seminars, stops reading studies, he is going to degrade. He is going to lose the proficiency that he once had if he stops working on it. So the most important things in life aren't necessarily something where you can arrive. It's sort of this continuous energy that that is going in that direction Mm -hmm. with relationships. Like, can I say today, I'm a good dad. Being a good dad is a process that if you can be a good, you can't just work at it super hard for a month and I'm a good dad, that's it. You know, it's like a never ending thing basically you can be a good dad over a course of your entire life. There's a continuum there. So most important things in life, I would consider all as infinite games, meaning that there is no point of arrival. I mean, there are milestones, obviously you can get jacked, build, I don't know, 20 kilos of muscle. That's, that's being pretty jacked. You can get lean. You can have, I don't know, I don't know, four or $5 million in your bank account, make some investments, maybe have some dividends coming in um interest coming in every month and you you can do all kinds of stuff to have passive income you can but there's still that element of like if you stop working on it entirely you're going to be degrading you're going to be losing so things uh i personally kind of had to wrestle with this a lot because i was thinking initially when i started let's say that 10 years ago like i will actually arrive there is a point where okay i'm just going to chill and I could probably get away with chilling. I, mean, I would definitely be able to do that for quite some time and maybe even for the rest of my life if I lower my expectations. But the fact is that the fact that that took you so much work to get there, it's almost hard to shift that mindset now to not try to do anything. Like Because in the process of achieving these goals, you learn to love the process of achieving yeah. the goal. So you don't want to give up that same process, if that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, again, the general mindset, these are infinite games. Being a healthy individual is a part of my identity, meaning that it's like I'm taking showers, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm going to the gym, I'm eating healthy. It's not something that I necessarily do. It's someone who I am. So it doesn't change regardless of what's going on. You put me anywhere in the world, I'll figure out a way how to exercise and eat healthy. And the same thing is with work, same thing. It's just a, it's just who you are. So it doesn't necessarily fall in that category of like, I gotta you know, hustle hard to yeah. get it. There's no hustle anymore. The discipline is to stay home and skip the gym. That's mm-hmm. the discipline now. It yeah. used to be the opposite, obviously, right? For most people it is. That's crazy, man. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask this question right away because I wanted to make sure that we we get right into some some valuable stuff other than the usual, how you been, man, and all yeah. that, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. 
But uh, you you just totally blew my mind with this idea of like fitness, money, career. These are not games meant to be won. They're meant to be in them forever. That's such a cool one-liner too. So uh, I'll steal that and slap it on Twitter over the next days. You'll see it. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good book written on this, but it's a pain in the ass to read. Uh, it's really hard to digest. It's called Infinite Games. It's written back in, I think, in the 70s. Um, there's a couple of people that have uh, taken that same concept and sort of repurposed it over the years. Like Simon Sinek is one of the guys that talks about this. Yeah. There's a few guys that talk about this, but it's never been talked about in the in the context of fitness. And, and I think just to expand a tiny bit on this, the idea that knowing you're committed to something for the rest of your life, like knowing that, for example, you're never retiring, knowing that you're never going to be out of shape, knowing that you're never going to be... Uh, you know, uh, I mean, that you're never going to stop trying to be a, a good dad, a, a good partner, a good friend. There's something liberating about that, because once you know you're in the in the battle, like you're going to try to do your best to accomplish those things versus when there's a question whether I'm going to do it or not. Because when you remove that question, the commitment is permanent, meaning that now the next thing is, OK, how do I figure this out? Which is a much better mindset, let's say, in health and fitness, if you want to you know, get lean and want to get healthy and lose weight or whatever your goal is a much better mindset is okay i'm committed to doing this 100 percent, and there's no exit i burnt all the boats so how do i actually figure this out and i think that's a much better way of thinking about it versus oh i'm not sure if this is for me you know like all that random you know lack of commitment which automatically means or i'm going to do it for six months and then we'll see it's you know i think tony robbins uses example okay i'm gonna quit smoking for six months just to count the days until i get this first cigarette after right so yeah. people are kind of expecting and if you're in that mentality it's going to be very hard to to achieve good things in life because they just take too long to achieve right plus also it, it takes you much more energy because every time you have to re-ask yourself that question it's just freaking energy yes i mean it, it sounds really funny but like you know there's this famous mark zuckerberg thing is like he only wears a gray shirt every day because he says yeah. he doesn't want to look at a at a closet full of different colored shirts and then have to make a decision because it takes energy every single decision makes energy so if you just take that decision once saying like i'm going to commit to that i'm not even going to question it now you're good to go it saves you a ton of energy and i you know that's also one of the things that it's funny that you brought that up because you're like, you know, in, in, in our 20s and you and I are roughly the same age. It's all about just hustling, hustling, hustling. And then later on, it's about sure hustling, but it's also about efficiency. So I, I have optimized my like, I think I had crazier hustle ethic just in terms of sheer volume and will when I was 20. But I get much more shit done now with quote unquote less time because I'm much more efficient. I don't mess around. I... Also, I yeah. always have this concept like know thyself. I know exactly what positions I have to put myself in any given day in order to be to to create the most output possible. And that is mm -hmm. even things like when do I work? I I figured out that I wake up and I'm ready to work. So there's no elongated morning routine whatsoever. In my twenties, I used to have that. In my twenties, I'd be like wake up, shower, cold shower, eat, meditate, da da da, and then. By the time I would get to work, I'd already be kind of drained. Funny enough, I still do these things. I still meditate every day, but I don't do it in the morning because in the morning I want to build momentum, want to get shit done. And when I dip during the day, I dip around 12. I wake up around 6, mm -hmm. start working mm -hmm. right away, treadmill desk, get my first 5K steps in while working, doing the most nice. difficult tasks right away, then have breakfast steak and so forth. And then, and then I usually dip around 12. And that's why I meditate because I'm, I'm dipping anyways. 
I'm not going to be super productive. Yeah, now. exactly. Meditate. That's awesome, so, man. Yeah, dude. And, and you know, I, I know, so you got this really awesome setup here. Do you, and I remember you were actually the one that back then got me in shape at the very first. I remember we worked together for very, yeah, that's very a long great time. transformation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you were the one who's like 10,000 steps a day. And that was way before iPhone step counters and stuff. I had like a Fitbit thingy on it that had to count the steps. Do you, yeah. act, and this is kind of like a personal question. Do you have a treadmill desk at home that where you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a little under the desk uh, thing that I bought on Amazon. I think it's like 400 bucks and it works really well. And the thing about that is I, I almost never have to use it. And that, that's an example oh. of what you just mentioned is putting yourself in a position where there's almost no excuse or there's almost no friction to actually getting it done. Because we got really good weather here in Lisbon in Portugal. It's it's very sunny almost all the time. And it's you know, 18, 20 degrees Celsius right now outside and it's February, right? Nice. It's insane. So I can always get my steps outdoors if I want to. And I go to the gym and back. I don't have my ho uh, house you know, with the gym and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So the way it's set up, like in that edge case, when, when I need that, when it's really rainy, let's say four or five days in a, in a row and I don't have the time or I need to just catch up, I can just bust out the treadmill and nice. I just quickly get it done. Or when I want to... Um, uh, read a book, right? I don't like reading um, in a static position. Like I find it to be, for my mind, I, I find it to be much more focused. I'm much more focused when I'm reading, if I'm walking. So if I'm listening to an audiobook, or if I am just gently just moving around the house and have a book in front of me, I'm just walking. It tends to work so much better for some reason. It, it's ah. just, again, knowing yourself, I absorb information much quicker. I get much better ideas. I'm stopping making notes. Um, try not to get hit by a car, you know, on the street, <laughs> like just get stop in the middle. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's write it down. And, and that type of stuff works for me, uh, but I, I really love this idea of 10,000 steps and it, there's nothing magical about 10,000 steps. I think they yep. trace that back to some Japanese step counter that used to come out and they were just yeah. like this magic number. We can see from research, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does scale between eight to 15,000. You get a bit more benefits and it's safer offs, but that idea of I'm going to hit that what it feels like a big milestone, I just like that. Because yes, physiologically, it might not make a difference, but we're talking about psychology and humans are all about psychology for the most part. So if you get that win, hitting that 10K, it just feels good. You just hit that. Yeah, if yeah. you're at 9,500, you're gonna walk around your kitchen yeah. table to get the yeah, last 500. And, and that little bit makes a difference. I think that's sort of the, the win you get and you get to in a way conquer yourself like every bit is like i, I want to do something that's against friction you you have this natural free we all have to be lazy and chill out which um we, we set, tend to rediscover <laughs> as yeah. you get like you kind of always kind of creeps back on you it's like almost this this uh, battle of you have the good and the bad wolf and and the good wolf is being fed with all these amazing habits and it's there but that bad wolf in the corner you can starve it, but it's never gonna die. It's always there. And it's always looking for that opportunity to grab some meat, to grab something. Yeah, and if you give yeah. it a piece, it's gonna start coming back. And that's how I've seen, and over this last decade, since we started a conversation like that, I've seen some of the most disciplined people that I know back in the day, just completely degrade to become some of the most undisciplined people that I've ever met. Damn. And it's gradual degradation, as I like to call it. It's not overnight, it's not like, you know, you, you wake up tomorrow and let's say you have a burger and fries for lunch. Your physique is going to look exactly the same, you know, three hours later, two days later, five days. But that little bit 
tends to compound. You start having bad decisions afterwards and then it becomes a daily thing. Then it's a couple extra glasses of drinks and then over time more alcohol. And then it just so slowly degrades. And I look at that same person, they've just lost it because the, the quote unquote bad wolf has gotten well-fed and it's gotten strong enough. So now it's like a 50-50 and eventually it becomes an 80-20 for the bad side and then you're done. So people tend to underestimate just how much uh, human nature is wired to be lazy and go uh, you know with the flow people really underestimate that you can never get to a point where it's completely eliminated like even a guy like we all know david goggins is a great example like even a guy like that you you, you listen to him what he's actually saying he's really having to conquer himself every single day because yeah. he has that part of himself and if he can't beat it running 150 kilometers straight and just killing himself with discipline, doing pull-ups, breaking world records. I, I don't think anybody can really eliminate it. I mean, you can build great habits, but it's always there. So the idea of like hustle and grind and work, I think at the end of the day, it's understanding that that you almost have to keep reinventing that part. You have to feed, keep feeding that good wolf. Otherwise, otherwise you, you will degrade. Like if you let loose for long enough, it will eventually get to a point where you're gonna struggle. And that's the universal truth for everybody, right? I mean, that's at least from what I've seen. It's it's really true that it's a it's a battle you have to win anew every single time. And I notice myself, like I love food and I, I joke around this a lot. Like I would literally be obese. I literally would be obese if it wasn't for daily freaking discipline. And I have cheat days. Hell, I freaking love cheat days, but um during the cheat day, I'm already excited about the next day. It's like, oh, get back to clean eating and feeling good and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's a constant battle. Uh, I love how you mentioned that, you know, it's like it's a gradual decline. What I literally wrote down that I wanted to ask is like, when was the last time you had a prolonged period where you chilled and for how long was it, if there was one? Hmm. Uh, when would that be? I think last time I... Um, I was with my girlfriend when we traveled, I think it was last summer before she got really, really pregnant. Um, and then she couldn't move around anymore as much. So <laughs> then we were chilling. Now it's more like sprinkled across the week. So I just basically got really disciplined when to stop working. And then that's it. Like just nice. put a clock. It, if the clock hits that, it's done. Like no matter what. It, and actually, I would say that this has helped me become much more efficient having that deadline, knowing yeah. that it's coming up. Um, that constraint made me a lot more creative. So having some creative constraints tends to work quite well for me. Um, because if there's no fire lit under your ass, like you can just drag on. So it's Parkinson yeah. law, however much time you give it, it's, that's how long it's going to take. Yeah. It's annoying. Uh, but with this, um, yeah, it was like last year and I'm actually planning a bit more of a chill now for my birthday, which is in, um, on 15th February. So it's kind of close to when we're filming this. My so man. we're, uh, yeah, we're we're doing some some little travel here, and then we're gonna fly over to Mexico to uh, hang out a little bit there. And and I, I think that type of stuff is important to have, but it depends on your personality. Like I personally don't need a lot of that. Like I just I, I'm more excited about side projects that I'm working on. Like I got back into coding, so I'm just building random oh, wow. stuff that it's interesting for me. I find that more relaxing than I find just chilling on the beach and drinking. Uh, I know some kind of uh, virgin cocktail because <laughs> there's there's nothing from i mean i like that as well but i'm not really um like mentally engaged that yeah. i think that's the right way to explain it i get my, my relaxation from mental engagement and physical work that's yeah. where i relax the most after physical work or mental engagement i mean that's uh, the whole concept between 
um, between active recovery and passive recovery, right? Most people think passive recovery is the way to actually recover. Like, oh, sit in front of the TV eating chips. That's bullshit. Active recovery is you're doing something with intent that makes you feel creative, that makes you feel good. For me, a lot of it is um, building Legos, as weird as it sounds. I gotten super into Lego again. Nice. And it's, re it's really funny because uh, I just like the building process. And then I have this huge Lego. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So I always <laughs> give it away to my, my little cousins. And cool. uh, my girlfriend the other day, so she's like, she texted me. She's like, yo, our neighbors already love us. And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, I gave them your Lego. I met the little boys in the elevator and she and she was moving in. And she just had my Lego. She gave him the Lego and they loved it. And it said active recovery. You know what I also really like as active recovery is playing Subnautica. Do you know this, the, the PS5 game? Well, I played it. No, I've, I haven't played it. No, no, I haven't played it. I think I saw it on one of the charts, but I haven't played it. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's just like typical Minecrafty game, open world. Oh, okay. you, just, you just gather resources and you get so into it. And it's again, <laughs> like you're active. You're doing something with intent as opposed to just this like, coping kind of mechanism thingy yeah so, gaming is awesome man i love yeah. gaming gaming is like i get hooked so bad um, yeah, me too. i try to minimax absolutely everything <laughs> um it has i have to figure out what the meta is and i have to essentially dedicate my whole life to it to try yeah. to beat the absolute you know exactly. everybody exactly. Uh, last thing i played was diablo 4 when it came out oh and i got dude. really really into it and then i um <laughs> When, when it started having the seasons, I just said, okay, this is just not sustainable. Like I have to get yeah. out of here. It's just not gonna work for me. I'm just occupying so much time uh, throughout <laughs> the day with this. And then another one, um, I got really hooked for a while on Vampire Survivors. I don't know if you played oh. that. It oh. is ridiculous. Um, I got hooked on it when I had COVID. So I got COVID oh. and I was sick for like three days and I was, I, I'm not gonna work. I'm just gonna try to, I gotta try and I can't go to the gym, right? Like I can't yeah. do much. So I'm just gonna stay at home. And funny enough, I have a Mac, right? So there's, much, there's not much you can play on a Mac, but that I'll, game you I'll can play on a Mac. Them. Empire Survival? Vampire Survivors. Oh, Vampire right? Survival. Yeah, so it's a typical roguelike, uh, very uh, bad graphics, but it's extremely engaging. So you're, you're basically get, gaining all these like things like power-ups, uh, garlic and all this kind of stuff. Oh, no. Just you're leveling up and eventually you beat the boss, you unlock stuff anyways. But that thing got me hooked. I was hooked probably for about two months um, <laughs> on just this. So I have to be very careful on the thing is like, I have to be very careful what I get my mind hooked on. I think at yeah. some point you might relate to this because you have a similar personality type. And I actually found this personality type to not be as common as I thought it would be is if you, your brain is sort of a problem solving machine. And if you mm. get it to it, it's more about which problems do you get it to solve than it is whether it's solving or not, because it's always going to keep solving problems. Yeah, so yeah. if you expose yourself to a bunch of crappy uh, news articles and you get upset about what some government is doing somewhere my brain is trying to solve that so i can't just get i'd rather just eliminate that entirely from my life not even try to expose myself to that otherwise yeah. i'm just going to get hooked and trying to figure out what some guy is doing somewhere that i cannot fix that's not under my control so it's kind of being very careful like what do you get hooked on what's in your control it's just a very deep sort of thing that a gaming can teach you that uh, quite a, quite a bit because you get a good hooked on game like nothing. I mean, those games are incredible. Like there's some really, really good games. Um, yeah. I've been eyeing a few for a while now. I try to see if I can get it back and maybe playing uh -huh. a little bit, but got to be very careful. Just don't, don't touch Subnautica unless you really want to get sucked in. I'm so, I played it through now I'm Subnautica 2. 
it's there. It's really freaking good. Nice. Uh, but you know, you know, one thing that I wanted to mention here on this podcast too is like we used to talk ten years ago about like you know you should have all three things: six pack, money, and great relationships. <laughs> you know, and yeah. like you mentioned, man, it's less and less guys that I used to know that have it. They all fall off on the sides, be it in a toxic relationship that ruins everything, or they make too much money and then they just get fat and lazy, or they turn bitter because, you know, once you around the 30 mark, 28 to 35, you go through so much shit. You have so many people doing bad things to you, even though you're trying to do the right things that you, you can turn bitter. And then mm. you have to make a conscious effort to be like, no, like, let's keep pushing. Bad shit happens. Let's keep doing it. So I've seen guys that you and I both know that just fall off, you know, and it's cool to see you being six pack money relationship. You're still on that path and you still crush it. And, and you know, one thing that I noticed too, like I, I just, I was on Instagram earlier and it showed me like my own archive. It was from 2017 where oh, cool. we hung out in Austria, where you and I were in the gym in Austria, where it was snowing so crazy. And we're both like flexing photos with like six packs and like great shape. And I'm like, I've had that six pack since then. Like, yeah, we, same. Yeah. You know, it's like we're 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 having it for like a decade now, and that's that's to be commended too. Because I know my dad used to have a six pack when he was young, and now he's fat AF. He's been fat for like three <laughs> decades. You know, shout, shout out to my dad. <laughs> How old is your dad? Sixty now. He turned sixty last year. I got my dad into lifting about a year and a half ago. He's jacked. Dude, yeah, yeah he's 64. Damn. <laughs> he's I, got <laughs> I got my dad in the gym as well, but it's still, you know, it's a long way for him. <laughs> Once they get hooked, they, I mean, my dad got hooked and he he really likes it now. He does 10,000 steps a day and he does um, uh, he does gym. We have adjustable dumbbells and adjustable bench. Mm -hmm. uh, out of all the things that I mean, last couple of years, that's one of the things I'm really proud of because he was definitely way out of shape. And what he noticed is, he was rapidly losing muscle because he saw that where's my legs and he would be asking himself all these clothes are loose on him only the only thing growing was the belly mm. and now he's in really good shape so he went from 92 i think 90 92 kg down to about 73 74. Wow. so he got he lost a lot of body fat he didn't track his calories or do any of the fancy stuff we're doing he just basically cleaned up the diet uh, stop drinking as much. I mean, that that was really a big thing because you knock down a couple of beers, that's, I don't know, six, 700 calories, that, that's easy. And um, he got himself into lifting, which he was resisting for probably like a couple of years, three, four years before I mentioned, you know, as I was mentioning it continuously, because I'm like, um, like a bulldog. Like when I grab, I'm just, I always keep repeating it. Every single conversation we had, and I would call him probably like five, six times a week. Every mm -hmm. single conversation, I was like, okay, you're lifting, are you lifting, are you lifting, are you lifting. Eventually, you know, <laughs> eventually it worked, you know, and it's just that never ending repetition because I, I didn't give up. So he was like, I may as well do it. And now we're always yeah. talking about, okay, did you do a workout? Did you <laughs> add more weight? Like, are you progressively overloading? <laughs> That's the, the conversation now. So I'm really happy with that. I'm trying to do the same with my mom. Um, he, she's walking more. That, that's mm -hmm. something I'm trying to do as a first step because in Croatia, women are not that known for lifting. So it's yeah. a huge problem with just the uh, societal expectations. So for her to get into lifting, it'd be much more of a barrier compared to my dad. And he didn't want to go into lifting in a commercial gym or anywhere in where people can see him. So we actually just bought equipment at home and yeah. figured that out. So that was, the, that was the thing that made it work because we bought a bunch of equipment during COVID and it was just sitting there. 
and he was like, well, the equipment is here, the bench is here, the dumbbells are here, the pull-up bar is here, may as well use it. Because he didn't want to do it when, when we were there, me personally, or at the gym where other people can see him because of, you know, just being a beginner, it's, it's a bit more of a self-consciousness. But now I think he'd probably be confident in going into a gym as well. That is so sick. For, for my dad, it was kind of like the way I did it with him. I started last year and I was like, look, I'll pay you one month at the gym. I'll pay you a monthly pass. You have to go at least two times a week. You have to prove it by sending me a selfie. And if you don't, <laughs> nice. if you don't clock in two times a week, you're going to have to pay the monthly gym okay. pass. And my dad being like a very, very much like a penny pincher he's like on for and like saturday like saturday sunday he would still get the last two days of gym in just nice. so he wouldn't have to pay uh nice. so for me that's the first step is like at least he is at the gym he's doing some some compound lifts he's getting into it because i'm like look my dad is he's not gonna he's not gonna go on a diet this guy he loves food just like me it's in our genes yeah but i'm like at the very least i can have him build some muscle mass some bone density it's gonna be good yeah. for his heart and all that jazz you know so if he wants to go home and eat ice cream i'll have him do it at least it turns into gains and he's also told yeah. me he's like yo like my chest is tighter around the like the t-shirts are tight around the mm -hmm. chest because he's building mm -hmm. freaking gains so nice. you know, shout out to our dads in this regard uh -huh. Yeah, big, big shout out to my dad. And I hope you can get your dad to eat more protein. That was like one of the big things that I tried to internalize with my dad because they they don't eat enough protein. Like, yeah. especially as you get older, we need our protein demands go up and people mm -hmm. tend to not get enough protein because you're just less responsive to the protein you eat. Okay. So if you, I don't know, whatever his body weight is, if he is, I don't know, 80 kg, getting 160 grams of protein a day would probably be a good idea. If he's 90, getting about, again, 170, 180. Mm -hmm. Just trying to really get him on a high protein diet because that automatically will make him eat less of the other you know, garbage yeah. Yeah. because it fills you up and you're getting the, the benefits not just for the um, for the muscle tissue, but also all the other tissue, right? Because it's a building block for everything. I think that's like one of the things that if most people just did, they could avoid some of the muscle loss that naturally occurs over with aging. And it's a big problem, man. Like when once the once parents get into 60s, like you mentioned 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I would never, like, I didn't even think about my parents. Like somehow yeah, like where your parents yeah. are, oh, whatever, man. Like, you know, they're just doing their thing. 10 years later though, now I'm like 37 in a few in a few days here. I'm thinking about my parents a lot because mm. I'm okay. I'm thinking clock is ticking. Like I want to spend mm. as much time as I can with them. I want to be engaged. I want to, I want to have them involved. I want to, I'm really thinking a lot about what they're doing, what their life experience is like, mm. like one of the, you know, the biggest reasons for me to try to be financially successful was for them not to worry about finances, which I'm grateful that we are in a position now. They don't have to work at all. They're, they're taken care of, which, I mean, it's not flashy. It's not me driving a Bugatti or something, but it's something that I, I really care about. So I think the reasons, you know, for for me even to be in Europe, for example, I'm trying to be as close as I can to make it easily accessible for both us, I think it's important. And that's different values. I know some people, you know, don't really have any relationship with their parents and, I, and that's fine. I mean, if you ended up in that situation, but for me, it's one of my core values for sure. Like it's it's up there. It, it is definitely up. If I have to choose between I know, making, you know, two grand tomorrow and on some seminar, five or ten grand, or go and hang out with my dad somewhere, I'll just go hang out with my dad. Like yeah. that's sort of like you want to be in that position. I mean, my opinion is like I wanted to be in that position. That might not be your thing, but it definitely is my thing. So yeah, it's just a difference in core values, I think, at this point. And I'm meeting a lot more people that think like that. They didn't think like this in their 
twenties. Yep. I mean, now in your thirties, you start thinking. It's weird. Like uh, the older you get, the more you're, you know, memento more you're, you're thinking about your own death and, um, and about life just not being forever. And you see it in your parents. I see my mom every, every time I see her, I'm like, you look older. Like you notice it now, you know, like you said, like yeah. you don't notice it for decades. And then all of a sudden it gets, it gets older and older and older and older and older. And, um, it's the same for me to just know that it can become very lonely the older you become because, you know, your friends are not there. They have their own families and yeah. so on and so forth. So I want to be the guy that is there with my parents. I still go on a yearly trip with my dad where we're like, wherever you want to nice. go, dad, just point at the map. You know, we're going to go there, rent nice. a car. And that's how we've been to, to Lisbon last time. We rented a Porsche and we just drove around and we do really cool, cool stuff together because, you know, I'm like this. It's just like it's almost like you have a kid, but it's your parents. You are their kid and you want to give them the the epic life as well as just as a form of giving back. I know both my parents, they've dealt with a lot of shit for me. I was really I was very good at school, but I was very, very um, I was a, I was an asshole to the teachers, so there was always trouble there. My parents always got my back. You know, they always had to come to the headmaster like every month because they're like, yeah, we're going to kick your son out of school. He's like disrespectful. He keeps talking back. He has really good <laughs> grades. If he only could shut his mouth. And yeah. my parents always had my back. You know, they could have said like, how dare you, Max? What the hell? Yeah. They, always, they would defend me. And I, you know, now thinking back, I'm like, that's really nice. So I kind of want to be there for them too. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, so we've talked about your parents, but you know, you've become a parent yourself, I think two, two years old, your daughter now, or one of them? Uh, no, she, she, she's uh, six months. So six we months just had old. her last, yeah, we just had her last year and it's been, um, yeah, man, it, that's another thing that I didn't really think too much about. I mean, I always knew that I wanted to be a parent. You kind of have it in the back of your mind. Yeah. I want to be a parent one day. And, and that's sort of the thing, like one day. And we don't really think about biology or timelines or what actually is um the most opt quote unquote optimal time to have kids it would have probably been a 10 years ago for me like when i was 27 not 37. Mm -hmm. you know that if you're actually thinking about from a biological perspective the the level of complication you can expose yourself we luckily didn't have any of that mm -hmm. but let's say if i wanted to have a family of i don't know five six kids it would have been very difficult now yeah. right and that, that's and that's something you don't really think too much about it really nobody talks about it but the other thing is just it's one day so you don't really consider okay when is that one day gonna come yeah. And realistically, there, there would be no downside for me if I um, and, and if I and Patricia decided to have our you know first child like four years ago, it would have been there's no there's no benefit to actually delaying it for these last four years. There was really no I mean, there was COVID. I mean, you could say like there's that crap and all the things that come with that. But it doesn't actually it would have just enhanced our life earlier if we yeah. had it. I know some people talk about kids like it's just some you know death sentence you know it's just oh my god all these kids it's just a lack of systems and organization man like yeah. if you have good systems you got good support if you can organize yourself well and, and if you sort of know what role each person has you can i think you can make it work uh, quite well i think it added a lot of depth to my life and made me think about things that i didn't really think about before you know i grew up um i mean me and my brother i was the older and we were we're just only three years apart so we don't I, I never saw a baby grow up and none of my cousins like and just generally we didn't have that environment we actually saw the process of another human yeah. coming out as a like little tiny piece of nothing it's like two kilos and suddenly it's like six and it's suddenly it's eight and suddenly it's like full-grown human suddenly it learns how to use its arms and talk and it's just very fascinating because at some point like even the 
the most asshole person you know was a cute baby at some point. Like there were this completely innocent blank slate that could have turned into anything. There's endless possibilities. And another thing that's kind of uh, interesting, and I don't know how you'd feel about this in your situation, if if you end up in my situation, like if you're a girl dad, because I only like, I honestly don't know, like, you know, we never had, I never had a sister. I mean, yeah. um, I, I don't have that much of a relationship on, on that level with any close siblings. So it's kind of an interesting experience to just, um, to learn how to bring a, a woman to this world. Like, mm-hmm. that's an interesting one, because for me, that's completely new. It's a totally different yeah. sort of experience. And um, it, it's kind of another thing that's it's scary and exciting at the same time. Uh, because I was always like, oh, guy things, you know, I, I just want to go and build houses, you know, shoot like arrows and stuff. So it's a little bit different. But a- anyways, like there, it, it's depth. I think that's the best way to describe it. It adds depth to life. You can get with very easily by buying a bunch of stuff that probably doesn't matter at some point. But getting depth in life is very hard. That could be that one conversation someone is delaying for, you know, five years. They don't want to have the conversation that that one conversation could literally change your life. I bet there's probably about a decent percentage of people listening to this podcast that they were, they're literally just one conversation away from having their life improved by 20%, mm-hmm. increasing happiness, like 30% Massive. or even like 50 or hundred percent, just yeah. like one conversation away because they've been delaying it. There's some resentment being built up there. And that's the thing I want to try to really uh, be very conscious of as me as growing up is understanding that it's not that, you know, I don't want to be in a position like that. We just want to always try to maintain that steady relationship with transparency as much as possible, because by the time, you know, when someone's a teenager, I didn't listen to anybody. So let's try to make the most out of it. Cause I understand if she gets any of my personality, it's going to be a problem. Like I was burning <laughs> houses down when I was <laughs> five years old. So we got to try to figure it out early on. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that um, because, you know, my girlfriend and I, we've been together for seven years, soon eight. And, um, you know, we're moving together and all that. And and which is something that, you know, as an ex-dating coach, that I feel like it took me a little bit more of a discussion with myself than kind of like the average person. Because I came from these like crazy freedom, pure for like never sacrifice the freedom. And, you know, <laughs> kind of settling down to a degree kind of makes you scared of freedom. But, you know, we've been together for seven years now and we're talking about kids and uh, we want to we want to get to this very soon as well. And it's very cool because a lot of my friends, they are ahead of me on that. Right. You're you have gotten a daughter. My other good friend, uh, Matteo Diem, also ex-dating coach, German speaking, Mario, he also has a daughter now. She's starting to play tennis. She's like two oh, really years cool. old or something like, you know, like little toy tennis and stuff like that. And uh, I've also thought like my whole life, I was like, hey, I want to have a son because I want to teach him all the cool boy <laughs> stuff, like go to the yeah. gym, nutrition and I can teach him social dynamics and build a business. And, and but somehow I'm like, but then I look at my girlfriend and how cute she is when, you know, when I'm cooking with her, I'm like, I kind of want to have a little, a little her, like a little daughter it would be so much cuter too. But then also I would have no idea how to deal with a daughter when she's in her teenage years and it becomes difficult and she got her first boyfriend, stuff like that. Man. But yeah, I'm I'm very hyped. I think I'll be a cool dad. And I know you are one. I mean, just hearing you talk is is, is freaking awesome, man. You're funny enough, you're 
I want to be jacked when those boyfriends come. Like if that boyfriend <laughs> comes, like, okay, can you squat? If you can't squat three plates, like, what are you doing here? Just go back to the gym. <laughs> I mean, the standard, at least two plates bench, three plates squat, four plates deadlift. I mean, that's at least, I mean, that that's what you can give me. I mean, As I'm not asking for much. Like anybody can do that. <laughs> But you know what's crazy, man? Like you haven't aged a bit. Like you look literally like like the last photos we took in 2017 by Primush, you look the same. I'd you say the same for you, man. Like that's that's like healthy lifestyle. It's good that's to know. It. Like no wrinkles, no nothing. And I keep people keep telling me they're like, How old are you? And I'm like, How old do you think? They're all like 26, 27. It's the same for you. What's so healthy lifestyle? Any and when somebody asks you what's your secret, what do you usually tell them? Oh, I, I get enough sleep and I, and I eat healthy. That's basically an exercise. I mean, it's very simple. Like people don't believe that how far you can get just if you, um, if you nail down fundamental principles and you're really good at avoiding big mistakes. Like those two things will get you very far in life. Just mm -hmm. don't make any huge mistakes and be really good at mastering fundamental principles. That will basically get you to the top 5% of your age group in almost anything. Like yeah. it's Good very, point. very straightforward. Like if you just go to the gym, lift weights, progressive overload, stay healthy, don't get injured, like all the basic stuff, yeah. do a good program you know, three, four times a week, make sure you get enough protein, eat your salad and veggies, don't do anything stupid with the diet, don't try to go any extremes, don't do carnivore and then switch to vegan and go back yeah. to carnivore every week. Like just don't do anything dumb, right? Just basically <laughs> stick to, you know, if you're vegan, stick to that thing, make it optimal, make sure it's optimal. I'm not gonna, you know, bash on someone's ethical, ethical choices, but I mean, jumping from one diet to the next one and trying to pursue any extreme ends up being more so detrimental and people also not getting enough sleep. I mean, I talk to so many, I'd say about 90% of my clients don't get enough sleep. And we work literally with hundreds of people. We're talking, I personally have worked with more than a thousand people at this point. It's been a decade. I mean, it just accumulates over time. 90% yeah. are not getting enough sleep. Like 90%, meaning like nine out of 10 really struggle with sleep. Either if yeah. they get it, it's interrupted, it's not high quality. There's a lot of problems that that come with that. And um yeah, it's just it's just the basic stuff. And I think the mentality of a bit of a stoic mentality goes very far, just knowing what's in your control, what's not in your control, what is worth actually stressing about in a sense like mm. stress is energy, right? If you can leverage stress to be productive and give you energy, you can accumulate quite a lot of energy to fix stuff. Yeah. But if you're uh, you know, a, a lot of problems start when you try to worry and stress about things that are outside of your control. So I think that's really one of those things that I've been really good at. A part of this coming from my dad, since we mentioned him, because he's, and my grandfather as well, he was very stoic for his beliefs. Like he didn't read the books. I mean, he didn't read meditations and Seneca and all the stuff that I'm reading, but the way they were making decisions was very rational, very pragmatic. They were very logical and analytical, same as I am with their approach to life. And I think that helps a lot, just kind of understand like what, what is really worth worrying about. And, and I feel like a lot more people, are, uh, people around me tend to worry a lot, mm. whereas I don't really worry too much. Like it's just, there's, there's just not much that really bothers me that I really worry about. The only things that I could say really worry me is, choices of others that I cannot directly influence, like choices of my parents that maybe are unhealthy, that I'm really worried, that that's sort of what upsets me, but I'm also like always reminding myself, it's not under my control, I can try to do my best and that's it. Do what you can and move on. And sort of that, I think that helps a lot. So it's just the basics, sleep, stress, health, eating and exercise. I mean, bottom line, um, 
yeah, just avoid burning, getting uh, sunburned. <laughs> like, that's, that's easy. <laughs> it, it was funny because I remember when 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 you were my fitness coach, and again, like you were the guy who got me in great shape, especially when I was on freaking world tours. I was like changing my city every Monday. And you helped me get yeah, through that and actually a, not not only survive that, but actually thrive and get great shape. And then I remember I moved back then 2017 to Helsinki for like a quarter, uh, three quarters of a year. And uh, I remember I told you, I'm like, Mario, Mario, make me a plan for seven days a week gym. And you're like, uh, I don't recommend it, but I'll do six. And then I just, I worked out six days a week. Man, I remember you got jacked. I mean, yeah. I was, I had such low body fat and I was just air, like deadlift squats. And then, and then on top of that, I had the crazy, you know, the RSD uh, sleep schedule, which was, I would put, I would, I would pre-workout yeah. at midnight. I would hit the gym at 2 AM, come back around four, have dinner, I guess at seven in the morning and then go to bed and sleep until like 4 p.m. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, if you if you try if someone told me, "Hey, you got to do this now and this is like x things you're going to get, whatever finances or whatever," I'd be like, "No thanks, bro." Like it's just not worth it. I mean, that I mean, but you can do all kinds of stuff when you're in your 20s. I remember yeah. as well letting we were going out all the time, you know, partying. Yeah. Especially in Barcelona where the clubs close at 7 in the morning, you're up until like 8 by the time you get home literally you go out at midnight like there's it's yep. empty you, at you midnight at it midnight, is yeah. <laughs> yeah you leave at midnight so the next day if you want to get your eight hours you're literally waking up at 4 p.m you're waking yep. up at 4 p.m yep. I, I remember this moment where we would be going out on um on a on a saturday and the gym is closing at 6 p.m on a sunday <laughs> and i'm trying to get to the gym before the gym closes because i gotta get my eight hours of sleep and we're yeah. going out on the saturday because the night everybody goes out and what about as a 25 years old 26 years old and and you can kind of get away but it, the guy is kicking me out of the gym and i literally just arrived there i look like i just slept the whole day which i did <laughs> it is just ridiculous like try to explain that to someone and it's just oh wow this is just wild <laughs> It's wild, man. It's and I keep forgetting how the the average person doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's like it. I, it's leg day. I'm gonna do the leg day. There's no, oh, I'm tired. I didn't sleep well. I don't care. It's freaking leg. You know. So the the average person can resonate with that. But um, it's funny that you mentioned Barcelona because you've had several kind of base cities over the course of your life. I remember yeah. Japan was one and I thought a lot about you last year. I I was I lived in Tokyo for a month and I nice. talked to Vitkin a lot about, you know, where you guys were at and then Barcelona and then I think Mexico and now uh Portugal. What was your what was your thought process behind moving to Lisbon? Well, Barcelona is a great city and if I had to pick a place in Europe that let's say wasn't Lisbon, it would be probably Barcelona because if you look at what it has and what it doesn't have, I think it's a really well balanced place with amazing weather all year round. Because there's there's actually only a few places in Europe that can match United States when it comes to number of sunny hours, and that's Spain and Portugal. Everything else is much further north. People don't actually. If you want to blow your mind with something, like take a look, compare the. Um, the actual amount of sunny hours and the line that it crosses between. So for example, Lisbon and uh, oh, Portugal and Spain are similar to Florida in that sense. California is way further down south. So it gets way more sun than we get here. Um, 
I think, um, what do they say? Like Vienna is at a level of above Toronto, like in terms of like winter yeah. and, and just the, where, it, where it's at in terms of sun and, and whatnot. So, and Toronto is pretty cool. Like Toronto is like crazy yeah. cool for their, for North American standards. So I was kind of thinking, okay, where do I want to live? And I want to stay in Europe. I want to be closer to family. Um, my girlfriend is also uh, based in Barcelona. She's originally from Mexico, studied there, stayed there and has all her stuff there. And it made sense for us to keep coming back there as well. Love the city. I, I think, I mean, Spanish wives or like that lifestyle is all right for me. But the city has also degraded uh, quite a bit since COVID, uh, given that it's just the, this massive influx of tourists. The infrastructure itself hasn't really improved much. There's a lot more homeless people in the street. There's just a lot of stuff. So if we wanted to stay there, we'd have to basically live outside of the city in a suburb and just find our own little place. Um, at the same time, I got a bunch of buddies who moved over to Lisbon and especially the crypto guys, because the, wow. there's no crypto tax here. I think that's sort of the, the idea. And there's a whole bunch of people, entrepreneurs that have moved here. And I'm kind of comparing the two cities. And I actually, before we moved here, I talked to a couple of consultants and people that do sort of international living, the, the flag theory, putting your flags yeah. in different places like Dubai, um, Lisbon, um, I don't know, San Diego or whatever, Miami. There are just people that do these flag things. And I spoke to a couple of them and they were basically sharing that, okay, Barcelona is a little bit stagnating, going down in terms of the city itself due to politics and all kinds of stuff. Lisbon yeah, is on, on the up, like it's on, on the up and up and up and up. And I've been here before in 2015. I liked the city. It wasn't that well developed. Now coming back last year, it was, it's amazing. I mean, this place is ridiculous. I mean, it has all the things that Barcelona has. With, with minimal downsides, also a smaller city, most more people speak English, it's much more easier accessible, got a bunch of friends here uh, who moved here. So it just all made sense also from a personal perspective, like company structuring, all that stuff, like it made it's very easy in Europe to move around. So for me, just like, okay, this is a no brainer decision, a really nice airport, direct flights to my girlfriend's Cancun place, and also very easy flights to Croatia. So we're in the middle, it's one hour uh, less compared to the Eastern uh, time zone in the US. So it's your life, everything like if you kind of combine it for now, this, this is the place. But I mean, obviously, you never know. But you know, at least for a few years is good, right? Hey, by the way, if you like this episode so far, please do consider giving us a five-star rating. We're putting a lot of effort into that. I'm getting the best of the best of the best coaches, entrepreneurs, thinkers, and leaders on my podcast. The only way I can do that is if I reach more people. And the way to reach more people is you can help me with that by simply dropping a five-star rating on this episode. You probably have your phone in your hand. Just, just drop that. We don't have any sponsors. Maybe I'll get sponsored at some point if it's something that I really believe in. But for now, I just want people to get some really awesome stuff for free. So please do consider rating it five stars. And without any further ado, let's get back to the episode. You mentioned that I what I was in Lisbon too. Was that Lisbon where we went for the Blink-182 concert? And I noticed the same. I'm like, damn, this is like, I expected it to be like Spain. Not many people speak English. And it's like kind of old school. No, it's hyper modern, like yeah. super good. In I was like, damn, Lisbon is really freaking amazing. And uh, yeah, very, very much surprised there. And um, you mentioned COVID a couple of times. And I wanted to ask you that either way. It's like, what did you do during COVID? Where were you? I was locked you in Barcelona. Like we we flew, we flew from Cancun and we landed in Barcelona 
three days before the the entire country locked down. Oh. Uh, so we literally were in Cancun, partying, having fun. I was there with Bastian. You know Bastian, right? Shout out, um, yeah. And, and yeah, so we <laughs> shout out to my man Bastian. So we're having fun in in Cancun, living the life. I flew back to Barcelona. Just massive lockdown for six months, seven months. We were basically unable to leave the apartment unless you go to the grocery store and the and the pharmacy. And that was sort of the time when. Um, when you know gym access was scarce and we we're lit training with resistance bands building your own little home gym and that kind of stuff yeah that was i think we all i mean depending on where you're at eventually i bailed we, we just left uh spain we actually went to bulgaria because bulgaria didn't care about the rules so they're just like okay yolo and we we're like okay let's let's yolo with them and we just went there uh because i think early on like I wasn't really that scared when it comes to the pandemic, when it comes to my own personal health, because I'm, I'm like, I'm getting ready for this 35 years. I don't care. Like if, if I, if something happens to me, the, like the whole world is going to implode. Right. Because I've been building for this. Like my body is in, in tip top shape as much as I can. We actually, uh, we're traveling. Uh, we went to Bulgaria. That was a, a good place to be at the time. Gyms were open. So we had a good normal life. From there on, we I think we went to Croatia, which also kind of opened up for a while in the summer in 2021. So I had a really good time there. So yeah, COVID was kind of interesting. Um, I saw, uh, we saw a massive influx of more people for fitness. Like we just saw ah. like our client numbers just went through the roof. Um, many of my uh, guys that, I, that I'm even still working to this day came from that era because they were all kind of personal training, like all this kind of in-person stuff and just everything went mm -hmm. online. So we did, we did see like our numbers went up by a lot. And uh, I did take a bit of a break as well for making content at the beginning. Then I went back to it. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, honestly. Like I, I it, and there's a lot of stupidity as well from it that I learned to kind of, I lost a bit of hope in humanity in some things like, yeah. you know, uh, when I was, I was deadlifting 200 kilos for reps and, and I had to put down my mask to breathe between the reps. The guy comes over and is like, oh, you can't do that. And I was like, dude, I'm gonna die here. I'm passing out. <laughs> Like that type of stuff was like, okay, I'm like, there's nobody in the gym, you know, like, let me yeah. just, you know, you know, that type of stuff, or, you know, I'm squatting 10 reps, and I'm just suffocating, like, there's stuff like this that I was, okay, come on, like, can we give me a break, right? But I understand, obviously, there's a lot of fear. And yeah, but it just common sense was kind of hard to come by back in yeah. those days, uh, kind of hard to even explain to people kind of looking back at it. It's crazy looking back now, like hey, everybody remember how everyone lost their minds and how everybody thought the whole world is going to die. And then and, and the funny thing is now COVID is still around. It's not like less deadly now, but just it's not in anymore. I mean, so people don't care. <clears throat> I was lucky enough to um, to ne haven't been affected by it. I was in Kiev back then, you know, Eastern Europe. They're like, oh, no problem. You know, nobody really gave uh, They don't damn. care. Yeah. Yeah, it was like officially in lockdown, but unofficially all the all the restaurants were open. They were completely full. People were partying. And then Yeah. And then we randomly went to Iceland because my girlfriend was like huh. I, I I did research. Iceland is completely normal. So we just flew to Iceland and went on uh, on a completely epic Iceland trip. We had one of the we, we rented an SUV and we just drove around the island. Oh my god, Iceland is amazing, man. So I love that place. There, you know, yeah. no no nothing. We were whale watching and jacuzzis and and you know, have you it's been incredible. to that one place the the um the, the what is it called the the spa with the milky water where the water is like oh white? i haven't i haven't been there no no i know which one i missed out i went to all the geysers and i went to the big waterfall and then we also stayed in reykjavik a lot too i mean i was at 
a lot of the restaurants that are locally there available. Right. Uh, we, Didn't you stay there for a long time? Even uh, we, we, I think we did like seven, eight days or something, mm -hmm. but we packed so much in the, I, I wish I could have stayed longer. Um, it's an interesting place. It's almost like you're on a different planet when yeah, you go up totally. there. It's just, it's, yeah. I would recommend everybody. Iceland and Japan are the two places that I would definitely recommend everybody to try out yeah. at least once if they can. Like, it's just a weird sort of disconnect. Like, it's amazing up there. So true. Like, it literally feels like a different planet. Iceland, I found, was very similar to Hawaii, just colder. Because mm. it's just this random island in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And <clears throat> absolutely crazy. Did you actually ever go back to Japan? I, I, how, how long did you live there back then? I have not gone back. I, I was there. Uh, the maximum that my visa allowed me was three months. Like, I literally went outside the last day that I could um, <laughs> got a f super fun time um, in uh, in Osaka. Uh, we were going from Osaka to Kyoto and all the Nara and some of the nearby areas. I had a blast there. That Kansai region is, is really nice. That's where a lot of the mangas come from and all the stuff mm -hmm. that, that I really like to read and I like to sort of watch animes and, and whatnot. So I had a fun time. It, Tokyo is another one that I would like to visit and my girlfriend also wants to actually check it out at some point. So I think it would be a nice trip for us it's very family friendly and it's nice overall it, it's just a really cool place it's a little bit far to travel to and time zone is a little bit less compatible to yeah. like doing a lot of work with the us but it can make it work it's it's far enough so it's almost it's opposite so it kind of works yeah. out if you yeah. just wake up early and, and get stuff done or work at night but yeah it would be a cool thing to come back there um just the food is incredible like the food. the lifestyle is incredible yeah, i love japanese food i mean for even now most of the times we go out it's just going to be a japanese restaurant ah, so nice. yeah i love that man i would want to definitely go out there i think it's uh yeah it, it's an amazing place yeah highly recommend the beef the beef man Duh. every day I every, beef. Yeah. It's yeah. So good. um i remember so what i did I have a lot of US clients too. Is like I just switched my sleep schedule to go back to go to sleep at 2 30. So I would have most yeah. of my calls between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. and then just go to sleep. And it, it was done. And it was cool because like my closers, they work Europe time. So I would wake up and mm -hmm. I would see the money that they made while I was sleeping. <laughs> Whereas if I'm in Europe, it's kind of like when I'm sleeping, my not not many closers are working because they're either in Asia time or uh, okay. one or two in, in US time and the rest is Europe. So yeah. Yeah, Osaka, I haven't been there. We haven't been there, but we were in Kyoto in Tokyo. You've been to Kyoto. Kyoto is the place. Oh, okay. No, you haven't been to Kyoto? Kyoto is amazing. Yeah, we went to that bamboo forest thing. It's called Bam bamboo forest. We saw some temples. We were only there for three days. Okay, and, okay. Um, dude, we stayed in this um, 250-year-old Airbnb in this house. <laughs> That's and incredible. It, you know, with the, with, the, with the doors that you could just punch through if you wanted, you know? <laughs> There was no Western beds. It was all just mattresses nice. on the floor. And we had this little, there was like a, you know how the, it's like usual for Japanese houses to have a tiny Zen garden in the middle of it. So the house mm. went around the Zen garden. There nice. was one bonsai tree that grew up two stories high. Nice. And uh, we spent two nights there. Primoz and I had to share a room and we we're just sleeping mm -hmm. on the mattresses. And it was just pouring rain. It was like mm -hmm. summer rain. And we, you know, we opened the balcony door outside was the tip of the bonsai tree and the rain, you could just hear the rain brassing on the roof it was the best white noise sleep I've ever had in my entire life in this Japanese place. And it's, it's a completely different freaking place. And we also yeah. went to what we did. It was funny. We went to a sauna, uh, to like a sauna spa and of nice. course white dudes, 
tattoos everywhere. <laughs> and we didn't go in. A, we went like on the outside somewhere outside of Kyoto. So it was very village vibes. And like some of the old Japanese guys that have never seen like a white dude, let alone a crazy white dude with muscles and tattoos. And we were there with with a client of mine because he's Japanese. And, you know, he oh, cool. We communicated over him with these <laughs> old fellas and they were laughing at us because they had these electric pools have you ever been in that you you it's it's part of a spa you go into the pool and it's electrified there's like electric currency in there oh so really cool i have the water that, and it's like shocking you and there was some old guy some looked like 70 80 years old he's just sitting there for half an hour and then you stand in there for 10 seconds and you can't bear it because it's literally electric current <laughs> and they're like all laughing oh look at these stupid white guys and so Funny. That's but, uh, awesome, man. Yeah, I love yeah. those places where there's no no Westerners. I remember in um in Osaka, me and uh, my buddy Niels from Germany, and he's two meters tall, like two ten. He's ridiculously tall. Like he's <laughs> he's half a meter taller than anybody on the street. Like the guy, it's like a movie shot when you have someone on the street. There's it's a packed street. You cannot move, and he's just there's one like little person standing uh, above everybody. And that was interesting. Um, for us to walk on the street and there's nobody like there's no westerners and people would stare at you like just you walk by they're staring at you we had people at night it'd be uh let's say 8 9 p.m sun goes down they're just cross the street from us like we, we were <laughs> like two two normal dudes like we're we definitely didn't look any like there's nothing fishy going on i mean just normal dudes yeah. having fun looking at the phone and there was been this crowd of Japanese people walking in our direction. They just crossed the street because they were scared because they never saw like they don't they don't see um, that many Westerners at the time. That was like in 20, 2014, 2013 even. Yeah. yeah. So it was like an interesting experience. I had the same uh, similar experience like uh, of people just stopping in the street to ask like, "What are you doing here?" Um, I had it in Taiwan in Taipei. Like, they're just, "What are you doing here? Like, who, who are you? <laughs> like, are you famous?" Like, it's kind of interesting. We we thought it was really funny, and um, once you get into conversations with the locals, like you find out like in Japan, it's really hard to communicate because of the yeah. language barrier. We found that some people kind of knew more than others, especially English teachers and people that work in in sort of industries that are. Related Related to tourism, they could uh, communicate quite well, and it's really fun once you get through the initial barriers. Right, there's just that barrier initially that is uncomfortable, but once they open up, it's such a fun culture, man. I would love to yeah. spend more time there. It's just it's wild. Yeah, very different thinking compared to Europe and and, and totally. what we have in the West. Very very different priorities and stuff. And you can just walk around in the middle of the night, headphones oh, yeah. in, no nothing. We met we it took us a little bit to kind of like get into the culture, but then Primoz actually met these like car guys, the underground car tuning scene, like Tokyo drift. Nice. And then we started hanging out there and like communicating with those folks. And they're all like 20 year olds that like bought like a Mitsubishi Evo, like Toyota <laughs> Supras and they tuned them. And then we just always would go to these tuning meetings and there would be people doing like burnouts and drifting and stuff like that. And we were like, this is the coolest thing I've ever That's seen. That's really fun, man. Like I haven't, so yeah, sad. we haven't had that that experience in um, <laughs> in Osaka. is more like a working city. Uh, mm. The the way you kind of see it is, most people looked very overworked. Like they <laughs> they worked Shit. two three jobs to try to pay for rent. Uh, we were we would be running into people and we'd be meeting um, like these groups of individuals and they're like, oh, let's hang out. 
okay, when are we going to hang out? Oh, maybe a month from now, you know, wow. when we get a, like a free day because they're just working all the time. There's no free time. Like they're just work, 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 work. And it's just a wild thing that they had to do back then. I don't know if the, maybe the situation changed now, but you know. So apparently we've been to Osaka as well. I didn't know. So what, what, I thought we were in Kyoto. Is Kyoto in Osaka or it's very close by or? though? Like it's it's a uh, quick train ride away. So it's it it should you could do both. Uh, and the train's really nice there, so it connects. Was quite that fast. when we went to the temples? Was that Osaka? Uh, Kyoto is the temples, I think. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Ah. Oh, you went to, to see the deers and you know, the yeah, deers are aggressive the and they deers. don't really, they don't give a damn that you're there. Like they just try to eat your stuff. Like yeah, I don't yeah, know if yeah. you had the same experience. Don't bring a sandwich there. They're just going to try to eat you. <laughs> well, we actually did. We, we were on the train station and there was this American tourist, like a girl, and she just walks over and starts talking to us. And at first she was really nice. We're like, yeah, great. Where are you from? And then she just sat down with us. Like the only other white person, you know, and we're like, kind of want to hang out with each other, you know, and she didn't get the social cues. So we literally ran away from her. Like we physically ran away and then we saw her around the corner like, no, that was so awkward. You know, when you meet someone that is so, so clear, uh, they don't that get is a weird. And they're like, anyways, guys, what are we doing next? And we're like, well, we are going to go over there, you know. <laughs> She's probably very lonely there. Nobody, nobody's <laughs> taking her seriously. And I, I'm not surprised. Like, I mean, people, I mean, they, we had a hard, I had a lot of locals that kind of help out. We were staying at a place that a lot of locals mm -hmm. and you kind of embed into a group. You yeah. very rarely see mixed groups there. There's a couple True. of expats we met that were working there. Some people from France and some guy from Australia and a couple other people that were just giving English lessons mm -hmm. and just teaching. So that kind of helped a little bit, but I don't think we we would walk into places and people were just like, oh, what are you guys doing here? You know, like, <laughs> it's just weird. Like, you're not the supposed to be stops. here. Everybody yeah. stops talking. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird situation. <laughs> if I didn't have my buddies, if I was solo, you'd be like, okay, what oh, yeah. is going on here? You yeah. know, that's probably what the girl like felt. Probably she walked in somewhere. And, yeah. I didn't want to be mean or anything. She yeah, was just so weird. It's very awkward. And we're like, hey, we're kind of like trying to hang out here with each other. But yeah, anyways, yeah. it's 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 a great, beautiful world to live in, man. And um, you know, it's it's so funny to see like how how I met you so many years ago and how there's always these touch points, and you know, we have many common friends, and every time I have a common friend, they always talk so well of you. Uh, Nicola Tomov is a great example. He's been oh, really cool. Yeah. Nicola is great. And he's like, oh, I was going eating sushi with, with Mario, <laughs> the coolest guy. So um, oh, you, yeah. me you mentioned Japanese cuisine. What do you usually eat? What it's on, like, what's your usual diet on a regular day? It's very simple on a regular day. Uh, the Japanese cuisine would be like once or twice a week. We, we normally mm -hmm. don't eat out as much. Um, I'd say more like once or twice a week. Patricia likes to cook at home as well. So she likes to prepare stuff. So I don't really worry too much about, we don't order in as well. Like most of our stuff is either cooked uh, and it's just very basic things. Like I, I don't spend a lot of time on cooking. I personally don't like to cook. Uh, dinners are made exclusively by her. So we have a simple rotation where we just go through uh, salmon, beef, chicken, turkey, pork, like just in a, in that order and just kind of <laughs> shuffle like every single, like we, we do like every one or two days, something different. So mm -hmm. just basically take out different meats from the freezer and just make them and just kind of yeah. rotate like that. Um, 
Similarly for the carbs, it's just a rotation between potato, sweet potato, uh, rice, quinoa, and I think buckwheat. Yeah, it's just kind of rotation like that. So we just kind of cover all the food groups, just going through all the days. Um, and then it's just a bunch of salads on top of that. So that's usually how it's how dinners are designed because salads are super dumb simple. Like here yeah. we have incredible vegetables in uh, in Spain, Portugal, any supermarket you walk in, it's just all top-notch quality. Yeah. So we just buy a bunch of stuff and make these gigantic salads. But during the day, like I try to really keep things minimalist. I, I like to consume things like Greek yogurts and and skiers and low-fat cottage cheeses and fruits and things that they can just eat on the fly that give me very high protein, dark chocolate for extra fats and, and things that are uh, no cooking. The only thing I would really cook would be eggs for, for lunch. That would be the only thing that I really uh, sit down and cook. But other than that, I would just on the fly during the day, I don't really prepare much. And then if there is some leftovers for, for the dinner, which usually there are, I'll just eat that in the afternoon before I hit the gym, maybe slam down a protein shake if I need some extra protein. So that is pretty simple. The, the main principle is really trying to minimize uh, processed food. I mean, that's basically yeah, it, eating yeah. real food. So everything we eat, almost everything, like 90% is real food. It tastes great. It's just a matter of um, adjusting your taste buds for it. If you're used to eating a bunch of yeah. crap, I mean, obviously like you're gonna have a time to adjust to to the new taste, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like I, I love the uh, the simplicity of the diet and, and it's efficient. And I don't even have to track calories or do anything. It's just pretty automated at this point. One thing, one thing I wanted to ask you is I have, I don't know exactly, but my metabolism, I guess, or whatever, doesn't allow me to eat as many calories. And I remember this was the case when I worked with you. This is now mm. the case where I work with Nikki Bra, the same as well. I'm like, I, my bulk is, I think, 2,400 calories. My maintenance is 2,200 <laughs> and my freaking cut is like 1,900. And I'm like... Yeah. I'm so jealous when I have friends like, what, my bulk is like 3,500. What are you talking about? So is there any way one can change that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you change it really? Some people's metabolisms are much more adaptive and other people's are not as much. So if you have a rigid metabolism, like for example, what you're describing could be considered a rigid metabolism, meaning that Damn. your bulks don't go very high, your cuts don't go very low because the problem of an adaptive metabolism similar to what I have is when I cut, I have to cut really deep. Like I have to mm. go down 1800, mm. 1700 for when I get really shredded. And it's basically starvation mode for yeah. a series of weeks until I get there. Uh, at the tail end of the cut, obviously I can start a cut at 2200, maybe 2000, even 2400. Like if I want to really take it slow and nice and I'm gentle, jealous. I could do 24, 22, 2018, 16, and just sort of like taper down and just, uh, yeah, try to survive those last few weeks because mm. it sucks in the gym. It sucks outside yeah. of the gym. You think about food all the time. Like if you yep. really want to get super shredded and peeled, I don't like to get that shredded anymore. I don't think it's any benefit whatsoever. I just feel bad and no value really. 10, 12% yeah. body fat is more than enough um, of body fat for me to kind of feel good and look good. Uh, when I bulk though, I also kind of go, it's kind of similar process. I think my top end calories were 3,400, something like wow. 32, 3,400. And I think as I'm getting older, I have to also keep up the step count to maintain that. If I was, if I drop my training down to let's say four days a week, like I'm doing now, I'm training four days a week, I'm walking about 9,500, 10,000 on average. So that would be 
probably no more than 3000 calories. So it's just a matter of um, just overall, what is the output and what's the input? I think it's reasonable. I think around 28, maintaining around 2800 for me is very comfortable. I do not feel the need to do that. Uh, You could technically speed speed up your metabolism if you built more muscle, but that's a really hard thing to do. Obviously, as you built already a decent and fair amount, it's hard to gain more than that. yeah, like the only other thing would just be eating more protein, like trying to really ramp up protein because protein has a thermic effect of about 30%. So at least you can get more volume and mm-hmm. uh, those calories will get burnt off through the metabolism. That is one way, but there's unfortunately no, like no real like hack um, <laughs> other than just being more active. Like so some people don't fidget a lot. They don't really move around a lot. They're very efficient. So mm-hmm. your metabolism would be the you know really efficient if you're talking you know as far as conservation of energy <laughs> he is just not burning much whereas yeah. uh yeah i mean that's just the, the way some people are built right you cannot do much to to change some of the, those things you can do more cardio like you know that's the that's the solution mm-hmm. really just mm-hmm. become more active have a higher uh, energy flux meaning more calories are coming out more calories yeah. are coming in so it sort of balances itself out because you could technically let's say you maintain 80 kilos at uh 2300 or you can maintain 80 kilos at 2800 the difference of that 500 is that you're eating 500 more burning 500 more per day right so it's sort of like you're raising the ceiling that can technically work but it's it requires more time and it requires a lot more work in the gym and outside of the gym right so it doesn't i don't know if it's feasible right man i'm so sad (laughs) <laughs> it's you know it's it's a high quality problem my my body reacts very well the bulks i i can gain very quickly um muscle mass and it also reacts very good to to cutting so i'm very happy too i really can't complain but then at the same time every time i talk to someone who's like yeah yeah 3500 a day i'm like i'm so jealous because I love eating and 3,500 would make me very, very happy. That's person. a lot of food. I mean, if you yeah. eat healthy, that's a lot of food. 3,500 is. I would do it. Easy. Yeah. I've I, tried 3,500. It's, it's a lot of food, man. It's just <laughs> a lot. Like at some point, if you really eat healthy only, you have to split it into three or four meals. Like otherwise, yeah. you cannot eat two meals a day. Like two meals a day would not be enough. Yeah, two to, meals would be just, tough. Yeah. It would be sure. really hard. Um, four meals, so- you could definitely make it work. Yeah. It sounded earlier like you have multiple small meals. I do two, two. I uh, try to have as big a meal as possible twice a day. But you yeah. said you eat throughout the day with similar sma- smaller snacks, or uh, three meals a day would be, I think, my preference. So I would eat around noon. I would eat around four, and out around eight. That's mm-hmm. sort of my standard schedule that I've stuck with since. 2010. I mean, I've experienced uh, different phases where I went in one meal a day, for example, there's a lot of hype around that. The problem with that is if I have to eat 180 grams of protein a day, it's going to be very difficult to eat that in one meal. Like Mm. it's just too much protein and my stomach hurts and it's a problem. And I don't want to drink a protein shake to just get that in there because I, I want slow digesting protein and I want high quality food in the diet. And I think two meals could be a reasonable way to approach it. So two meals and a protein shake in between, potentially that can work. But I, I'm a big fan of sort of this frequency of like three to four, just because it, it makes sense, at least for my life, it, it sort of works out. Um, and not eating two hours before bed and at least two, three hours after I wake up. I'm just not hungry when I wake up. If I don't want to spend my calories when I wake up and then don't have them later, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, same for me. Like I, 
I even try to do 5k steps before I even have breakfast. I can delay that first meal quite a lot. And yeah. for me, it's even more extreme with the last meal. I have my last meal nowadays at 3.30 p.m. And I go okay. to bed at 9. So yeah. I actually really like this like empty stomach feeling when I go to bed. Like on the verge of being really hungry, I really mm. enjoy that. You know, dinner for sleep for dinner, basically. I like that. When I eat even two hours before I go to bed, I don't sleep as well. My body temperature is weirdly high and I get weird dreams, which is very weird. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, what one thing I wanted to ask you is like, what does your daily routine look like now? Because especially because you're a dad now and you mentioned so many times like you want to have that time for your family. So if you could walk us through, you wake up in the morning, morning routines work all the way to evening routine. It's interesting. I don't really have a specific morning routine other than wake up, drink a glass of water and work. Like that's basically yeah. what I do. And what I work on is already predefined from the day before. So the, the morning routine technically is an evening to-do list that is determined the day before. So I know what I'm going to work on immediately the next day when I wake up. So that kind of keeps things in check. I really am a big fan of time blocking and Google Calendar. So my whole life is oh, ran man. by Google Calendar. And yeah. if you know, if something is there, it's going to happen. If it's not in Google Calendar, it's probably not going to happen. So mm -hmm. it's very simple and straightforward. Like when you when you ask me about this, like just put a Google Calendar, it's going to happen. You, never, you don't have to ask me again. It's just going to happen, right? Yeah. And just because I surrender my life to the calendar and that's it. Like the calendar okay. runs the show, so I'm well organized and I don't miss things, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, basically just waking up, um, getting that glass of water, starting work, working for about two to four hours and then i'm gonna have my first meal so that's gonna be that that one like relatively large meal probably about 40 i'll say 30 40 percent of calories like will be in that meal um and then i'll um go for a walk and after that meal just to digest a little bit i'm gonna maybe catch up on some podcast or whatever you know whatever you know maybe some some simple stuff call my dad you know just basic stuff then i'm gonna come back and work for a period of time. I'm gonna have another meal sometime around whatever end up being like four or five. Then I'm gonna go and hit the gym. When mm -hmm. I come back, let's say around um, 7.30, 8, 8.30 from the gym. And then I'm gonna have the dinner with, uh, with Patricia. And then from there on, I'm just hanging out with them. Like that's most of the time. And sometimes I'm gonna throw in an hour of sort of quote unquote me time where I'm not working um, after dinner. So then I'm gonna go back and then hang out with them. Mm -hmm. And throughout the day, I also take small breaks. So I never actually work longer than an hour and a half straight mm -hmm. uh, for the stuff that I do. I just found that my focus dips quite a lot. So I, I like to keep the work block at about an hour, hour and a half. So let's say if I'm doing a call, that's an intense call with clients or whatever, that might be like an hour and a half that is really intensive for me. So I have to sort of take a step back and I'm just going to go play with me or just, you know, do some random stuff that's going to take my mind away from the screen and the computers. I found yeah. that to be really important uh, just to take small breaks during the day because I found that the mental depletion tends to um, skyrocket if you continue grinding past a certain point. Mm -hmm. If you can catch yeah. it early on before you get that depletion, you're really golden. So if you can take yeah. small breaks in between blocks, like you're good. And that's basically the day. Like, you know, the, the afterwards, um, when she goes to bed, we're going to hang out. Me and Patricia are probably going to watch some like, fun stuff on, on our show or something. I think now we're watching this show um, called Justified. It's like an old 
like American sort of like Marshall show. It's kind of interesting. It has many seasons that we usually pick shows that have many seasons, many episodes. So it's kind of becoming mm -hmm. a ritual. And yeah. each episode is about 45 minutes. And it's, it's a fun show to watch, has decent ratings. And I'd say it's really cool. So we just watch an episode together, hang out and basically call it a day. I mean, that's just more, more so having the time to work health and family just dividing the day in in a reasonable order like that i think that makes sense mm. and i'll use little things like walk to the gym is getting steps and calling my parents walk yeah. back from the gym is maybe calling the other parent or listening to a podcast so i'm always trying to insert little th if i'm going shopping for some reason i'll listen usually we order and just automate that but let's say i'm going there i'm going to listen and then saturdays and sundays are a bit different saturdays and sundays is less work so i try to free up the whole day and we go outside do stuff try to spend some time outdoors in nature stroll around in the parks and stuff like that because lisbon is really cool for this you have ev almost everything you want within an hour like you have mountains mm -hmm. you have beaches you have city you have everything within an hour hour and a half mm -hmm. and it's very easy to get to so I'm trying to be much more disciplined on the weekends, not to work and not okay. to like put stuff on there and just get everything that I need to do get done on Monday to Friday. Like I'm really trying yeah. to do my best with that. And weekend can still be done with emergencies, like that's fine, but there's very few emergencies in fitness like that really demand like immediate attention. Like there's sometimes it pops up, but I'm fortunate with the team and everybody like that I have. Uh, that I don't have to deal with so much of that on the weekend. So it's yeah. more like free time for me and Patricia and Mia and just kind of hanging out. And I think that's a fair setup, to be honest. Like everything in life is a trade-off. So there's, as uh, you know, that code goes, I, I mentioned a couple of times, in life, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. And that's a fair trade-off, right? I get to work a bunch, relax to some extent, chill on the weekends and repeat this. And I, I, I'm thinking that that trade-off is fair, right? That's all I'm really asking, right? Yeah. It's so funny to see that you've kind of gotten to that conclusion of, hey, let's have the weekends off. I've had a similar process I went through, and I'm sure it was the same for you. At first, when you become an entrepreneur, you're like, oh, weekends? I don't care. <laughs> That's where my competition takes time off, so I'm going to hustle through the weekends. And then also over the last two years, I'm like, I've just turned back to a, almost a nine-to-five schedule. Sure, yeah. During the week, I probably work more than nine to five, but then I'm also on the weekends. I'm like, no, let's actually take the weekends off. It it kind of does feel good. And I used to have this weird semi setup where I'm like, yeah, weekends, I don't have to work, but if I want to, I'll do it. Now, of course, I started working every freaking Saturday and Sunday, and then I, it would just continuously burn me out. So just like you said yourself, I now I had to bring up the discipline to not work Saturday, Sunday. And to kind of force myself to whatever, go skiing and when I'm in Austria or go swimming when I'm somewhere warm or just yeah. Go do do you and, plan, and, by the way, the trips or does your girlfriend do that? My girlfriend does most of the planning. Yeah, exactly. She's the same. Yeah. We're into that. She's yeah. like, this is where we're going to go. And I'm like, I don't, I remember she was like, we go to Amalfi. I'm like, I don't even know what country that is, but fine with me, you know? Exactly. And then, I, yeah. and then I'm there and I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. Look at the cliffs. And she's like, yeah, I told you, you know, but of course I don't pay as much attention. I just trust her that it's a great place. <laughs> same, man. Yeah. Same. I just get the itinerary and I just follow along and I yeah, have a good experience. I just don't know what to do. I, I suck at planning stuff like that, but I'll, I'll you know, when you drag me out of the house, I'm going to have a, a really good time. But to yeah, actually same. like, if you leave it up to chance for me to do something, if it's not pre-planned on the calendar, it's going to default back to something like very 
mundane. Yeah. It's going to be like a walk around the park that's near, like five minutes away from us. <laughs> that's exactly the same. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to come up with something on the spot that's yeah. worthy of, of, you know, doing it for like three, four hours. But if she does it, then she plans, takes a look at TripAdvisor, yeah. reviews, where to go, what's nearby, and then we can actually have a good time together. And so, yeah, I, I like that. I think it does help a lot. Um, I don't know if you ever had a personal assistant that does that type of stuff for you. Like yeah, I never really went do. that direction. Okay. I still yeah. do. I've, I've had it to the T like, tell me when the cab is downstairs, <laughs> literally like I want to go to yeah. the thing at this time. And then, Oh, the cab driver is now here. I'm mm, like, okay. okay. Like literally like that. Um, to, I've I, so I've, that. I've, I've done the extreme version of that. Now it's a little bit less, but I've definitely went down that route. Um, nice. One thing I wanted to ask you, what made you sure that Patricia, the mother of your of your daughter, is the right partner? Yeah, that's a really tough question, man. Uh, hmm, I have to think about that. You can't know when you first meet someone. I think that's something that you, you, it's really difficult to understand. And it's also something that you can try to do a direct conversation about core values, but one thing is what people say the other thing is what people do um and their habits and where their families as well so a lot of it came from just behavioral observation because we we sort of learn a lot about e or other people around us if you just observe them enough if you're if you're just looking at your phone all the time you're not paying any attention but if you're actually attentive and seeing what's going on you can see who has the qualities that you would want in a partner to raise a family with which would be having that caring, um, having that empathy, having things that are actually not my strong points, because mm. I'm more of the logical fixed problems, solutions, don't talk to me until it's done type of person. Mm -hmm. And I don't really even take time often, which is something I'm trying to work on to acknowledge the person's feelings. I'm moving on to the solution immediately. I don't care yeah, about how you, let's just fix it. If you fix it, you're going to feel good, right? And that's yeah. kind of how I'm thinking. There's a problem, we need to find a solution. Patricia is very different. So she's kind of more, okay, let's assess the situation. Let's acknowledge people's feelings. Let's see what's going on. And she's much better at handling those types of like um, human to human interactions that I am in most of these instances. And then, you know, I met her family and it, there's a lot that you can actually learn from just meeting someone's family. I think that's a, that's a very underrated uh, way of getting to know someone just hang out with their mom and their dad. Yeah. <laughs> like you learn more about the person like that, where the environment is that the person grew up in, which actually formed the person who they are. Like you, you can pick up a lot on. I, I think it comes down to really sharing core values. Like I wouldn't have been in a serious relationship with someone who didn't actually have uh, qualities of, you know, being very feminine, being very caring, being very, um, like looking out for me in their own little unique way. Obviously, like, you know, I know I can handle everything by myself, but it's nice to have someone there to, you know, okay, they got my back. They're going to be helping as much as they can, their capacity. So it's just really analyzing the, like, what is that person's perspective on the world? Where do they see themselves in the future? And I think we align a lot on those things. Like you can never align 100% perfectly with everybody on, on things, but as long as 
you can align on the things that are really, really the most important things, I think that's more than enough because most of it is just building anyways. So you have to build it together. Like you're not gonna have it. It's not like you're just gonna meet someone tomorrow and okay, this is perfect. Let's let's roll, let's have eight kids. Like it's not gonna happen like that. So you have to build it. The question is, are you hanging out with a person that has a growth mindset that can be, that can actually endure the building, that can endure the trouble? And honestly, like I didn't know much about Patricia until we had some issues. Like for example, when you get robbed in Mexico and how she handled that, or when we had to deal with stuff that's bad. Like you don't know someone when everything is going good. Like yeah. you can only know someone when stuff just breaks and when there's frustration, when you when you're like rent is expiring, you have no other place, you have to go somewhere and you're in the streets, you have to travel suddenly and there's some stuff that comes up, you lose a job and you know, stuff like like you know, you get into financial drama or some parents issues and stuff like that. That's when you can actually get to know someone. I mean, that those are the most important moments to get to know someone. So if if you are only on the upside, it's very hard to get to know who your friends are, who your, you know, people around you are, someone you can rely on. So I, I think that's a combination of all those things, to be honest, that would be uh, the answer. It's very hard to pinpoint the exact moment, but it's just the evolution of that over time. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, there's just no, as long as, again, as long as the fundamental principles are there and you're avoiding really big mistakes and screw ups, you're fine. Like that's my philosophy with most things because the fundamental principles are there. Like, you know, do you love each other? Do we align ourselves where we're going to live, stay? Do we both want to have kids or not? Like that fundamental stuff is there. And then we're just avoiding really big mistakes and that's it. Like that's more or less enough to have a, a thriving relationship that puts you among like the top, you know, one to 5%. Mm. Yeah, man. Beautifully said. And when it comes to fatherhood, you strike me as a person that prepares very well for a lot of challenges <laughs> and fatherhood are, you know, yeah. un inarguably being one of them. Did you somehow prepare? Did you read books? Did you I get read, a course or anything on that? That's why I'm laughing here because I was like, I bought like a bunch of courses, books, watched a bunch of videos and I don't know. It's a lot of that is just to make you feel like you're doing something because at the end of the day, um, you don't really have to I mean, some preparation is all right. And it's necessary to know some of the basic things. Obviously you have another human being around you, but, um, you're more ready than you think. Like most people are way more ready than you think you've solved much, much more complicated problems than being a parent. Like there's 8 billion humans. Like you can figure out how to have one. Like it's not that complicated to have one, right? It's just, it, it, we put so much pressure on ourselves. Like as long, again, the human is is very basic in it's like initial stages. Like what, what, what does my daughter need, right? The, my daughter needs uh, shelter, needs food and needs sleep and just like normal environment. So nothing crazy. That's all she really needs. If she's well fed, if she's well slept, if she's clean. So if she's not like pooed uh, that she's fine, like there's nothing like that's going on. Obviously, like you can have all kinds of complications and whatnot, but in my opinion, it's it's more of like uh, once you commit that you want to be a parent, then it's like you're just going to figure it out anyway. Like I think yeah. the first mm -hmm. barrier of like, do you want to be a parent or not? If mm -hmm. you can make that decision, okay, I want to be a parent, then you may as well just ignore the fear. Like it makes no sense. It's, you're going to yeah. have to deal with it anyway. So for me, it was already a decision. I'm going to do this regardless of how it feels. So whatever, you know, I'll just figure out it, how it goes. And there's been certain things, you know, there's a little rash pops out somewhere. Oh my God, you know, it's like a panic. You mm -hmm. Google it call the doctor, you know, it's, it's not a big deal is put this like little, just relax for a little bit, change your clothes. Don't use like, 
it's it's basic stuff but yes like i've read a ton okay which plastics do we need to remove out of the house like which ah. food containers should we use like what's the most optimal bottle for the baby to heat up that is glass <laughs> and we're not using plastic what types of clothes does you wear so it's like non-colored cotton so it's like perfectly natural and skin compatible not using polyester like there's like all these little things like optimizing the environment the heat the temperature the cold the light Yes, there's a lot that goes into it, but like you don't have to do 90% of that is just my own like nerdiness mm, yeah. and 10% is maybe useful. Like yeah. the, the bottom line is like you, you are there, you take care of the child, you give it enough time and space and food and shelter and you're fine. Like everything is going to be okay. I think that's people are uh, trying to over prepare for something you can never really prepare for because every child is different from what I'm hearing of a, a lot of people. And we've met so many parents here and their kids are very different compared to Mia. So we don't really, I honestly don't think you can prepare because every person is unique. Like you get a unique human and how do you know what, how they're going to behave? It's a very, very challenging. Yeah. We met probably like six, seven different parents uh, with their kids now about similar age. They're all kind of different. Like you just don't know. And they all have different routines and, and all different schedules. And when they go to bed, when they, so I don't think you can honestly prepare. It's just, you have, um, self-confidence at the end of the day like you have confidence okay i'm going to do this like and i, I might be able to do it okay that's it that's what it boils down to mm -hmm. good point lovely i'll you know once uh i got my first daughter or my first son i'll for sure <laughs> send some questions over your side um look one thing one thing that i ask everyone that that i know that is both a business owner and a father or mother let's say 18, 25 years from now, your daughter comes to you and she says, dad, I want to build a business. Mm. What do you tell her? Mm. Well, the first thing would be a question, like what type of business do you want to build, right? Um, the, the answer, if they, I want to be a YouTuber, the question is, why do you want to be a YouTuber, right? Because <laughs> I mean, if, if someone asked me at 18, if I asked someone, I wouldn't really know what I want. It would be very hard to know. I, I'm hoping that through observing my own behavior that um, she would be able to understand like what businesses really are. They're just problem solving systems that you put together to solve a specific need that's out there in the market and you get fairly compensated for solving that need. So the question is, okay, what problem do you want to solve, right? And I think that's the most, because we can solve all kinds of problems. I mean, I, I could tomorrow open another business that solves a specific problem that is totally unrelated to fitness. And you just know the principles, like there's a there's an issue, you just really have to find a, a, a fit that can solve it in a financially um, profitable way that can keep running the system, reinvesting it and growing it and building in something amazing. So it, it, once you know how business quote unquote works, um, I think that's sort of where, where the conversation would go. But yeah, it would be like, okay, what type of business do you want to build? Like, why do you want to build it? Just really asking that. Uh, I'm, I'm not a really strong believer in college. I, I think college is incredible for social uh, elements and just meeting people. But I think people should be taking control of their own finances. Um, much earlier in life so my hope is that with my daughter i can also teach her the values of of uh, earning uh through hard work like much earlier in life than um than, than i have uh my parents like didn't really put me to work uh, as much I, I worked a little bit during my teen years i think that might be something that it's important for kids to learn if you do this 
you get this compensation and then you have some freedom with that budget. You can do stuff that you want. I think that's an important lesson because my parents are not entrepreneurs. I understand that that's yeah. not in within their, like they did their absolute best and that's who I am today. I mean, I, I built something that most people don't have, which is incredible. So they did a really good job. And, uh, but still like their philosophy was go to college, right? Get a job and you know, work hard, try to save, uh, which obviously we know it doesn't work that well in most countries. Like in some countries, in some professions, in some situations, it might be enough, but it's not really in your control. So that is leaving it up to the to the universe to decide whether you're gonna have financial freedom or not, which I'm not a really big fan of, like as maybe sounds like a bit of a control freak. <laughs> maybe you're the same, but, uh, I don't like to leave things like that up to chance, like financial success, leave that up to chance. That's one of the most important things yeah. in life, whether you have freedom or not. Similarly, do you leave relationships to chance? Like, okay, how are you gonna like randomly run into the, the perfect person? Of course not, like it's never yeah. gonna happen. Like, I mean, it might happen in some rare instances, but it's very unlikely. It's like, do you wake up one day with a six pack randomly? Yeah. And you're like 40 kilos overweight, of course not. And so it's a similar similar thing here. It's like, I, I would try to early on instill some skills. Okay, there's a problem you just solved. You, you have a lemonade stand, people are thirsty and it's hot outside. That's why they're buying your lemonade and that's why they're paying you more than what you're using to make the lemonade. Here's what, what that's a business, right? So it'd be that conversation. But yes, I would love if my daughter would, was an entrepreneur. I think that would be something that it would be a dream come true for me. Now, obviously I don't wanna impose my own uh, will. Like I'm not, yeah. I don't wanna be that parent, but I hope through just being a role model and showing what's possible that she might decide to do that. If not, I, I just hope that she can find her own way to add value to the society. I think that's the most important thing. The only thing I wouldn't want is someone who is uh, sort of lazy and leeching value from the world. Like, I think that would yeah. be, that would be like a big failure that I would consider like as a parent. But as long as someone is contributing value um, in any profession, like it doesn't matter what the profession is, if they're adding value to the world, the world is a better place for them being here. I think that's fair. And I think that's more than enough, right? I think finances are you know important, but obviously, you know, that that's a trade off because being an entrepreneur is a trade off, like you have to work yeah. your ass off for half a decade to a decade. Um, and, and the question is, like, do, do you want to spend your life like that? Right. And and I did and I and I want to and I would have done it done again if I needed to. But that's not for everybody. Like maybe some people would like to yeah. chill back, you know, let, let's you know, have it more like a normal, stable, steady with less risks and less ups and downs. Um, more predictable life. And that's fair. I think that's all like, I'm much more when I initially got sort of to that point where I was like, Okay, I don't have to worry anymore. I was a lot more like everybody should be an entrepreneur. Like that was my mindset, like everybody should ditch all their jobs, everything. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not really in that mindset anymore. Like if if someone really has a great situation, that's awesome for them. But I just think for most people in most situations in most countries, if you're struggling with the sort of the job element of it, try to really get out of the system entirely and observe it like a little bit. Okay, what can I do that's outside of the box? Because if you if you're playing, the thing is like, if you're playing the wrong game, even if you win, you're still a, a loser at the end, right? Like if yeah. you're in the wrong game. So it's just being understanding what game are you playing and who's setting the rules of the game? That's mm -hmm. the problem. Like what rules, do the rules allow you to be successful in the games that you're playing? Like if you're playing Diablo with me and, and to be successful in Diablo, you need to grind for 10 years and there's a chance you're never gonna get there. Would we play that game? Like what the hell, man? Like the reason yeah. why you're playing it is because rules kind of make sense that there is a glimpse, okay, this can actually work. Because if you remove that, so I think most people can see 
your current situation, find people around you that are in a similar situation, observe them. They might be five years older than you. They've been at that job for five, 10 years. Are they still like there, right? Like, are they, are they still there? Are they happy? Or do they have perspective that they're enjoyable? I think that's a fair way to sort of start getting a glimpse of the future. But yeah, for me, it's, um, I, I love that element of control. Like, even if I didn't have my own business, if I was working for, with someone else, like I would still love to be running my own daily schedule like i would still love to have my own sort of like little business within a business i think that makes sense like that's sort of like what i'm a big believer in that like that's mm -hmm. just your you, like run your own little show inside of a, a company i think that's also really fair um as long as it kind of aligns with the overall vision i think that all makes sense to me rather than you know dreading waking up every day i think that just yeah. sucks that's not worth it a hundred percent. And this is, you know, I wanted to ask you this question because I often think about this too. I'm like, knowing how hard building a business is, knowing how much I've been forced to grow, like you grow or you die. Yeah. Um, do I want my, my daughter or my son to go through that? But then also the highs that I've gotten from it, not just the lows, but like the things I experienced and the, and the great things I got to reach for myself, for my clients, for people in my company, will I want to deny that? But it all comes back for me to one important question that of course my, I myself at my stage don't know is how much would you support your daughter at building a business? Would you be full on involved in it? Would you let her fail knowing that this is a lesson that she could maybe avoid? Wow. Mm. Have you thought about that? <laughs> That's a slippery slope. Yeah. So definitely I would, I would, um, I would try not to, I would try to offer the most minimal amount of support that's that's absolutely required. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in general, I think that would be a, a fair principle because if I went, so let's say I take someone from the street who doesn't have business skills, who hasn't gone through what I have gone through and I, and I hand them over, here's my YouTube channel, here's my email list, here's my, all my clients, here's my, here's Stripe logins, here's everything and just take care of it they would bankrupt the whole business in a month. <laughs> like just because they don't have the skills, the tenacity and and the process that they haven't gone through to get to a point where they can even earn and to maintain that business, right? Similarly, if I take someone at 40% body fat, turn them into 10% body fat using my magic wand, which I don't have, how long would it take them to get back to 40%? Mm -hmm. Like three, four months, six months, right? So it's by not allowing someone to fail or learn uh, and really experience what it, what it looks like, you're not gonna train them enough to even sustain a business. So even if you give it to them, they're gonna fail at it and they're gonna just lose it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not necessarily about the result, it's is that person capable? Y look, you're gonna have a business when you, when you deserve to have one. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. Like you're gonna, when you deserve to have one, when you're skilled enough to have one and to manage one, you're gonna have one. That's, that's as fair as it is. I think entrepreneurship is very fair. Like in the way it's set up, like the universe is very fair with entrepreneurs. Like you either work, contribute, survive, and and you know beat, or you lose and lose and give give up and you're done. So it's very fair in a way like that. So there's no way to cheat the system. So if you try to cheat the system, if I throw you know half a million bucks at her, hey, some startup money, let's go. It's useless. Like it's not going to really do much. Like if she doesn't know how to do marketing and how to build a business or sell something or create a product or whatever you know i i think it's same with, with kids as well like if you don't teach them the uh, the basic principles of growth mindset 
it's very very difficult for them to get out of that get out of the just entitlement and just thinking that the world owes them something yeah. the world owes you shit and it's not going to give you anything if anything is going to try to take away stuff from you <laughs> so you you have to essentially be able to endure that so if you don't build that resilience early on it's going to be very hard for you to be an entrepreneur like i think most entrepreneurs fail simply because they don't have that resilience there like they're just going to give up instead of trying to problem solve um i think one of the benefits that i had was because i i came from a software engineering background so for me it's like iterations it's all iterations like i don't care like it's version one of my business doesn't work version 1.1 1.2 1.3 1 1.4 i'm just going to keep iterating yeah. until i get to the version that works like i don't care it's already like a project that's working and i'm just going to keep iterating and i think that mindset is is the only one that can work uh versus like oh it works or it doesn't Mm. That you're out of the game instantly like any yeah. all or nothing or black and white thinking will eliminate you quickly because you don't have the consistency or anything it's like with videos like you made hundreds of videos mm. i look at my first videos it's a joke like it's an absolute joke like it's <laughs> it, and it's fun to look back at them i would love to look back at them but the video that i make today versus the video that i made 10 years ago has gone through thousands and thousands and thousands of iterations yeah. so the video now deserves to have a hundred thousand views yeah if someone gave me the channel that i have today 10 years ago and said mario just make videos the channel would fail yeah. that mario that version of me doesn't have the necessary skill and the way to, to express himself and create quality that that a 500 or 400k channel deserves it's simple as that right and that channel that you have now is fucking crushing. I remember I looked you up and like, does Mario still have a channel? And I'm like, oh my God. And it's, and the crazy thing is, I got to say this too, because, you know, I work a lot with YouTube over the last couple of months. It's just talking head stuff. It's not <laughs> crazy lifestyle driving around. You know, it's just yeah. Mario talking head. And you have insanely good engagement, insanely good view numbers. And I'm like, and I click on a video and I just get sucked in. It's just you talking. And I'm like, the scripting, Simple. the hooks is so on point. And I could literally tell, like you said, this is version, you know, 19.1, whatever. <laughs> You've yeah. done it so much that it's so, it looks so seamless. But looking at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, seeing what you're doing, I'm like, it's really good. It's really, really freaking good. It's very hard to make things simple and make them work. Like, yeah. It's very, yeah. very hard. I tried the travel blog life. The thing is, you got to ask yourself, what daily life do I want to be living? Uh, mm -hmm. Meaning that if I wanted to make a lifestyle vlogging channel, I would need to live a certain daily life that I don't want to live. Yeah. So even if someone gave me a, a, a vlogging channel with 5 million subscribers and said, okay, roll, I don't want to live that life. So it's not going to work for me. This works great for me. I have my setup. You can sit here. This is the exact same setup I use for YouTube. I made a specific room in the house that's optimized for this that nothing same. here moves Amen. like it's all in the same exact place all the time yeah and i just roll and i work hard on my scripts i work hard on my content to try to present ideas based on client experience and research and whatnot and i deliver and obviously some people like it some don't there's much bigger channels than mine in fitness people grow really quickly but the audience that i do get which i'm really proud of is people that think in similar ways so they have similar core principles and because i'm a coach 
I can actually work with those people because if I wasn't a coach, I mean, it wouldn't really matter. If you're just selling products, like if you're an info marketer, you can just sell to anybody. But yeah. as a coach, yeah. if I'm going to spend my life and this is going to be me and my team and everybody's like working hard with these people, I want these people to be cool individuals we want to hang out with anyway. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what the channel does. It's like the first filter. It doesn't have these millions per video views. Like it's not a Mr. Beast type of channel, but it does appeal to a certain audience that are versions of like, you know, people that we like to work with, which is incredible. Yeah. We get these incredible, um, you know, people reaching out from that. We got guys working at NASA, like Google, nice. Apple, like all kinds of cool stuff. We're hanging out with them and we're just asking them stuff that's um, incredible. Like people putting rovers on Mars, like it's insane, man. And, and I, I don't, you know, I'm kind of surprised sometimes like, oh, you watch my videos? Like, okay <laughs> and that's cool i mean i love that but yeah people can i think people can recognize effort and and you, once yeah. you read like hundreds and hundreds of books and stuff like your mind just comes up with uh because when you're when you have a multidisciplinary approach to life and you get all the disciplines and you learn a lot from each one your mind can come up with ideas that are cross uh domain so mm -hmm. you kind of get ideas from the finance world and from some business world and then you have fitness and you combine them that is very unique and that's sort of the unique value someone can add versus trying to regurgitate and copy i'm sure you get people copying your stuff all the time, all the time. and and that's just the way i mean you can never really get ahead of the original by copying the original i mean it just doesn't work right like you gotta yeah, there's no version where that can work actually well here's here's so you know it's it's exactly like you said it's like you kind of you create content and this is something that we teach all the time, and even on a beginner level, is you create content that attracts the kind of person that you really want to work for, that you want to work with together, yeah. and that you want to even want to hang out with. Um, do you remember our ten thousand calorie Milka challenge video? <laughs> <laughs> remember yeah, that? and, and that—that's a great example of a video that I would not make no chance anymore and that's us me not being experienced enough at content creation right yeah like yeah. who would watch a ten thousand? i mean it's a fun video to watch but is that going to be uh, uh you know making any sense from a perspective of like a device or how but, to or anything but, but it's fun would, as hell man like, we had I would, a fun no, time I, it was not even fun that's the thing it wasn't even fun <laughs> shooting at first we had fun and we were like, oh, I've been fasting for so long. Can't wait to eat the milka. And then remember, I was like lying on the floor in pain because it was so, it was literally the worst stomach pain I've ever had. How do these people do it? I I'm wondering to this day, how do these people actually far. do it? I ate like half did, a yeah. bar and I was done. And yep. we had all these, we had like six of the big bars. Like, yeah, I'm going to eat. Oh, it's not going to be enough, Mario. I just don't know. Like, I just don't know how people do it. Like, I've, I have never, I haven't tried after that challenge. I think that was a good <laughs> enough experience to, to not ever try it again. But how do these people eat 10,000 calories? You have to have, um, you know, you have to have genetic, some form of like, you know, some genetics. Sort of, or, <laughs> yeah, genetic pre I also <laughs> wonder that, especially because it's one thing. Exactly. Like, if I could yeah. mix it up, but yeah, if you still randomly have that video on a G drive folder, honestly, send it over. I just want to watch it. I yeah, just, I try to have to look at it if I have some raw footage somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it'll be just as a part of it's just for fun, man. Like I think we have some B roll there of rolling on the floor and just being yeah, in stomach yeah. pain. <laughs> was it on your channel or mine? I can't even remember. I anything. think it was on on uh, on mine, uh, but I, I think you might have had a version of it or something on yours, like a chopped up 
shorter version potentially but regardless i'll try to dig it out sometimes um i have it. i think i might have it on one of the old google drives somewhere oh, yeah because i didn't lose any footage i think i stored almost all the footage uh, yeah, in a cloud just to make sure it's there and preserved but yeah that's wild and an idea like that is just something that we you know, now I wouldn't, I mean, it doesn't make for sense from a business perspective, but back then everybody was doing the, the, the challenges and challenges, I was yeah. thinking, oh, this is going to get so many views. And I think it, it tanked, like it didn't get it any. Totally oh, like, tanked. Nobody it cared. Tanked. Like it didn't, nobody cares nobody cared. that we just suffered like nothing, zero. <laughs> like nobody gives a damn. <laughs> yeah. You know, so when it's you such a disappointment. When you do things from the desire of, making it blow up or it's, it's i want to make a popular it's not going to work yeah, um, yeah it's just and it's also it's like i almost feel like it's the you're putting in the wrong type of energy because the energy is directed towards i want it to get clicks and i i'm copying yeah. something that works like yeah. you said like everybody does the challenges i want to do it too yeah it was out of character as well They're exactly like, who are these guys like why, why do they make exactly like, why does mario exactly. do this like makes no yeah. sense yeah Whereas if you focus on something that is that fits to you, your values, your your teachings, your core values, then all of a sudden it starts working. And then you're breaking it almost like it breaks the rules. Sam Selig is a good example. It's like all the YouTubers are like, well, you gotta use jump cuts and you gotta retain yeah. the freaking Mr. B style, you gotta get the retention. And then there's just some random dude who just has like almost no cuts, 27 minute video selfie stuff, or even your stuff, like I said, it's like just talking head it breaks the rule of what everybody thinks what makes it work, but you make it work because it's you yeah, and it's congruent and it fits to what you do all day. I mean, this podcast is a great example. You're sitting here and you're freaking talking. There's no jump cuts. There's no animations. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. It's easy. But it's, I mean, but it's for me, yeah. amazing. It's like, I'm like, this is people are going to listen to this podcast. They're like, this Mario Thomas guy is amazing. Right. And, be, and although you break the YouTube so. yeah. rules of the, you know, the engagement and all that. And, and that's, and that's, what's important is like, um, the, I always say like the world has, the world has 8 billion monopolies. If people only had the balls to be themselves instead of just copying what they think is going to work. Yeah. There, there's a lot of algorithm chasing there. There's a Mr. Yeah. of YouTube happening over the last <laughs> three, four years. Uh, a lot of the fitness guys have turned into sort of like a fitness version of Mr. Beast. There's a lot of people trying to copy that style. Mm. Um, again, it's really about what life do you want to live and who you are. Like I cannot, I, I mean, I just can't sustain that. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, so even if my channel stayed small forever, like at least I'm doing, I mean, it's doing actually quite well compared to like, you know, yeah. what, what people are, what do people have, but um, it, it's something I know I can sustain and I'm going to play the game for like, 80 years so we'll just see if it works like and that's the thing like at most people that i know that started channels around the same time as i have already gave up they haven't uploaded for like five years yeah. and so i'll beat most on longevity like i don't care how long it takes like that's the thing like i don't care if it takes 40 years to build a channel to a million subscribers or it takes four so what's the rush like i mean i'm already good it's like people trying to um let's say uh, live a better lifestyle, lose weight, right? There's no competition who's going to live a healthier lifestyle faster. Yeah. Like you, just, you just run it and you just do it. And it's the same with YouTube. Like, I don't care how long it takes. There's no, for me, I'm going to be making videos whether I have zero extra subscribers now or whether I have an extra 40 million subscribers over the next 50 years. So I'm just going to yeah. keep making videos. Mm -hmm. 
And once you do that, well, then you don't worry about the metrics because it's very easy to get caught up in the metrics as I have been as well. So for me, it's just making content at this point because I know what works to some extent. Obviously, if I was a complete beginner, you have to figure that out in the beginning. Like you have to shell out a ton of content. You know, I did a year of daily videos. Like I tried a whole bunch of stuff uh, to get good at this. And that's something you have to do initially. Like there's just no way, no shortcut around that. Like nothing. Like you can, you just have to grind out at some point if you're... Yeah. Yeah, yep. unless you naturally have a really, really good way of expressing ideas and you're super smart with that type of stuff with content presentation, maybe you have a film background and just all this stuff combined and you're just a great TV personality, that can work. I mean, there's people like that just pop off in a year. Like I've seen guys go from zero to a hundred uh, K and to a million as well. Within a year, no problem, within three months. Mm. For the average person, I, I would like to kind of think of myself as representing that average, even though I'm, not average at the moment with what all the sort of assets that have built up and stuff. But for the average person starting, I think what I've gone through is closer to the expectation that you can have uh, just how long it takes. Like, yeah. I, I don't think you, you can expect it to be like a lot faster than that. Similar with building muscle and getting a physique, like people don't want to you know they don't want to hear that it takes five years to, to build an amazing physique, right? Like they don't want to, yeah. they want it tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Well, guess what? And if you're the average Joe and likely it is, that's how averages work. You are like that's the, <laughs> if you weren't average, you probably wouldn't even listening to this because yeah, if someone yeah. is jacked naturally, as I know a couple of friends that when we um, came back home after traveling for three, four years and training three, four years, these guys were not lifting weights at all. They just go to the gym and lift more than me. Like they're just benching 110, 120 kg. And I was like, okay, how to, and that's just when you meet a person like that. And I mean, I don't take my gains for granted. I know I work really hard for them, but they do, for example, like they don't care about it. Like they just yeah. show up at the gym once every three months, every four or five, six months. <laughs> but um, like this step of stuff with the channel, it, it is brutal because the competition has also increased so much since I started in today's, right? So starting today is also harder. And that's a good thing because it forces you to be better. Yeah. And everything, like the way the system is designed is that if you're not good enough, you just don't get views. And that's that's awesome because you have to get good enough. Like, and it teaches you skills much quicker than they used to. Like you could just turn on a webcam and record and get hundred K views. Uh, now you can't do that anymore. Now you have to actually learn yeah. how to set up a camera, yeah. how to, create a script, you have to prepare and it's cool. And it's awesome. It teaches you so much like, and you can quickly see if you like it or not, because eventually you would have had to do that anyway. So you can quickly see if this is for you or not. Uh, I'm a big believer in YouTube. Honestly, like if there's one platform that, um, like, you know, my dad watches YouTube all the time. Like everybody's no on YouTube now, like everybody's on YouTube. True. I love what YouTube is doing. Honestly, like it's, it's my favorite platform. It's the platform that I spend the most time on. I really study it a lot. I have my, you know, all the things that I, podcast like almost everything is coming from youtube actually yeah it's kind yeah. of interesting like i barely spend any time on any other platform like people instagram for example i barely open instagram i think mm -hmm. i felt like 30 minutes instagram time over the last four or five months like mm -hmm. i don't pay any attention there but i pay attention to youtube mm -hmm. yeah i just like it i don't know it, it fits what i'm sort of looking for youtube is still the beast to tame as a creator and like you said like a great indicator of how well a platform is doing is like is your mom and dad on it Right. Yeah. And, and that's very, very true. It's like the moment, the moment you crack into that, um, into that demographic of like 60 plus, cause that's the last demographic that takes, that takes something up. The moment you crack that, you're good to go. Yeah. And, and that's why YouTube's so powerful. I, so, you know, I, that's also why I started doing the podcast. I'm like, I love doing long form videos 
And uh, I always wanted to have an excuse to talk to great people such as you. And, uh, you know, I you, appreciate it, man. It, it's, it's been really freaking awesome knowing you for so long and, you know, always checking in every couple of months, every couple of years <laughs> and uh, yeah, seeing that, well. you know, that you're crushing and that you're doing well. And dude, you look happy. you look fucking healthy. You, you're smarter than ever. You've always been extremely smart, but you, you've progressed there super much and, and I'm super happy to know you, man. And then, it's been a very wild journey. And uh, honestly, man, I hope maybe in summer I'll make it down to uh, Lisbon, maybe even with my girlfriend, yeah. and, and we would love to have some sushi with you or whatnot and some Japanese food. Sure. One last question I want to ask you is, like, imagine you get one day of billboard time on the Times Square, and you could mm. choose anything you want to write on that billboard, and everybody's <laughs> going to see it for a full day. What would it be? Oh damn! Um, we're assuming people pay attention to those things now. Um, you could <laughs> yeah. have just told me, "Hey, why don't you have a Facebook ad that will show up on all their phones, <laughs> or whatever the platform, <laughs> TikTok maybe, or something they're using?" But yeah, honestly, I don't know what I would put on that on on that uh, billboard. I, I would probably just um, because I don't honestly, I don't need anything. Like uh, like as funny as that is, I just don't need anything. Like so, it wouldn't be anything that I personally would need. Mm. Um, that's interesting. M maybe some form of charity or something I just put on there because honestly, I just don't need anything. Like I'm good. Like if, if someone asks like, what do you want? Like, it's really hard to buy me presents. It's hard to buy me stuff. I just don't like, all I want is more time. Like that's all I want. And that's one thing I can't have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just don't know. Honestly, like, I don't know what I would just, I would, I'd research something very simple and straightforward and maybe put maybe a quote of, um, of some people, something people don't worry about things there, you know, uh, that things will get better or whatever to give them some hope. But it would most likely be some form of like, because I'm a utilitarian. So I have to kind of think about what would give some utility and it would yeah. probably be some form of charity that would actually make a difference somewhere, maybe restoring the Amazon forest. Uh, I just watched a Joe Rogan episode with one of the guys that was there, um, forgot his name, but it was an incredible episode. He talks about the ecosystem of the Amazon forest mm -hmm. and how these like bugs live in the trees and the trees and the ecosystem. And it just all kind of dies and, 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 and grows again the next day. And it's like the, the, these like bacteria, it's incredible. Like, I think that type of, I just like put some form of like charity, let's give it because from a personal self-interest thing, like I'm already fine. Like, I mean, I have enough of what I need and I'm good, but yeah, it would be something like this. Honestly, it's kind of hard to, uh, yeah, put exactly what I Well, that's one hell of an answer, dude. And I think it's been one hell of a, of an episode. Um, people who want to work with you, people who are like, who, who's the smart Tarvish guy is amazing. Uh, where can they find you? Where can they check you out? Uh, YouTube. Just check out some of the videos. It's very simple and straightforward. If you like some of the content, you can watch more of them. The algorithm will show me if you like it or not, if you keep coming back. <laughs> so <laughs> the algorithm will control your life. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the content and hope you enjoy this podcast. So yeah. Amen to that. We're going to put all the links down in the description. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening and or watching. And Mario, dude, it's been a fucking pleasure. I think I took a lot of time from your family time away. No worries, so, man. you know, let's, let's, uh, I'll of course let you know when the podcast episode drops. I'll send you all the links and shit like that. And, uh, uh, wishing you a, a great birthday celebration in, uh, eight days. And we'll stay in touch on WhatsApp. And like I said, if I make it down to Lisbon, Ed definitely let's grab some Japanese stuff. Thanks so much, bro. Yeah. I would love to, if you get a chance to come down here, we're also going to be moving a little bit this summer. So, if you get a chance to spend some time in wherever I'm at, if you can see me somewhere, just feel free to reach out. Always a pleasure to hang out.
Fuck yeah. We'll do that, man. All the best to you and the family, man. Much love. And uh, you're a fucking legend, dude. Let's stay in touch. Thanks so much, man. All right. We'll do. Have a, have a good one, man. Cheers. And if you get inspired by this coaching world and you're like, wow, hard work, changing people's lives, building a family, building something legitimate, long-lasting, that really changes people's lives, not just mine, but also the, the lives of my clients, well, we can help you build that. We've built so many online coaching, consulting, and service providing businesses from people that just wanted to make a couple thousand on the side next to their full-time responsibilities and family to people that want to crack 10K or 20K a month to people who build legitimate crazy companies that make over $500,000 every single month. We can help you with that. We've done it before. All you have to do is jump on a free call with us over at maxtorno.com forward slash call. You'll be talking to a business expert from my team or even me directly. And uh, we'll help you. We'll literally tell you what ideas of yours will have the most potential to crack six or even seven figures a year. We'll tell you if you already have a coaching business, how to scale and automate it. If you're getting started, we'll tell you where to post, what to post, how to get your first clients, what to price it, what to coach, what service to provide. We'll, we'll tell you all that. We got the answers. All you got to do is head over to maxtorno.com forward slash call. Book your call there. It's entirely for free to get you started. Other than that, talk to you soon. Let's crush. GG.